This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Sunday. Snicks, Venus, Purgatorius. Also, I saw some people in here before the show even started. Uh, these nuts. Goldfish, we're hanging out in the YouTube. So glad to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, good evening. We got a lot of shit to talk about. It's been a wild, uh, wild ride for the news the last couple of days. I'm here to recap it all for you. Welcome. There was somebody else in the YouTube chat. I didn't, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember who, who it was. Trying to get, I'm trying to get back there. Locomotion. Good evening, friends. It's your friendly neighborhood news gimp. Richard is clinically here. Meat cakes. Wow. It's a busy fucking night. Welcome. Hopefully I can, uh, hopefully I can provide you with some entertainment for an hour or two here on this Sunday evening. I forgot. I didn't bring, I didn't refill my coffee. I'm a little upset. We'll we'll cover what we're going to talk about tonight and then I'll go refill my coffee. Elon, uh, Elon Musk lost the money when a rocket exploded. That's always fun. We're going to talk about, uh, some public transportation tonight. Chicago's yellow line. I I got stuck and trapped some people. I don't even know the full story. I do believe some people died. I know some people died in a hospital shooting that happened in New Hampshire a couple of days ago. Luckily, no one died in Wisconsin when neo-Nazis descended upon the state capitol. I wonder if my good friend, uh, Jake Jacobs. Jake, were you one of the people marching on the Wisconsin state capitol with your neo-Nazi garb? You Christian fascist. I got some good news. I got some bad news. I got some Israel lied news when it comes to the ongoing conflict in Gaza. A report was released on Saturday that says that I can't get a good, good firm number on exactly what it is, but at least a chunk of the people killed on October 7th were actually killed by Israel. Israel, of course, is disputing this. The Houthis in Yemen say they have seized an Israeli ship. U.S. officials say they are close to an agreement between Hamas, which I'm sure they condemn. God damn it, where's that? I'm sorry. You don't even have it loaded in. My apologies. Don't even don't even have the he can dim. I have a special um it's it's like the holiday layout of the troll patrol and apparently 
Uh, I did not have He Condemn and Kennedy Loves Cock and all the all the new drops weren't on here yet. I guess this would have been uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving would have been the last holiday. Uh, let's put it. Let's put in. Uh, no, 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 no. I gotta get he can dim because I already named it that. He can dim. He can dim. He can dim. I've been called a Hamas sympathizer, but I've also been called worse. <laughs> I've been called the Hamas sympathizer multiple times, as I'm sure some of you have too. If if you defend Palestinians' rights to not be bombed by Israel, people will call you a Hamas sympathizer. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going Let to me give know if you any the of those are too loud. Life, then I, I, might, I might need to turn Kennedy and cock down. One more, one more. We're going to get titty slap in here. This is how the sausage is made. A, a Hamas synthesizer. It's the it's the cousin of the move. A titty slap! God damn. <laughs> the hummus synthesizer. Oh, shit. Here's your meme of the day. Just remember, every time someone decorates in November, Santa kills an elf. Got your Christmas tree up. You have elf blood on your hands. I don't make the rules around here. Well, I mean, I guess I kind of do. I make, I make the rules on the Troll Patrol. It's kind of my show. I'm slab happy tonight. I'm not high enough. I'm not high at all. Um, I probably got high hours ago. I ate a big ass dinner. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Clinically wants to kill some. You want some elf's blood on your hands. Have you guys ever heard the song The Night Santa Went Crazy? Me, Gakes, I have not watched Full Gear. I, my, my buddy last night was like, will you download it and put it in my Dropbox? Because, like, I, I pay for Dropbox to my client shit. Ooh. I wish, I wish I had a big ass for dinner. I need to call her up and get her over here, don't I? Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. I pretty much know what happened because I was, like, in shock as it was going on because, like, Tony Khan announces on Twitter that Adam Cole is wrestling in the main event against Jay White, not MJF. I saw somebody say MJF no-showed the show, but I'm like, well, that can't be because I'm pretty sure he retained the tag team titles, which he's a tag team champion with Adam Cole, but Adam Cole is injured, but yet Adam Cole was put as the replacement for the main event. But he did, he's still fucking injured. MJF actually wrestled. It was an angle. I'm just so... I am so upset with AEW. I hate that fucking company with a passion. And I don't want to. I want there to be an alternative to WWE, but Tony Khan's a fucking idiot. 
A lot of good talent, a lot of wasted talent in AEW right now because Tony Khan's a fucking idiot. Another reason why billionaires are bad. Billionaires are bad for the wrestling business, just like billionaires are bad in every other fucking walk of life. So fuck them. Sorry, went on a little rant about wrestling from last night. I didn't, but I didn't ended up not even downloading it because I was like, "Fuck that shit." Now back to dinner. I I had to order groceries today. I was putting it off. I had like nothing, nothing in the house to eat, so I really didn't eat anything all day. I ordered groceries. Like I, I had a bunch of work to do, so I was like finishing up work about two, three o'clock. I'm like, God, I'm starting to get hungry. Started to order a pizza. I'm like, no, no, no. I better order groceries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want sweets later. I'm going to want creamer for my coffee. I'm out of all that shit. So I was like, I better order groceries. So I put in an order for my groceries. I had to wait for him to get here, you know, to start cooking. Uh, I made... Potato skins with twice baked potato stuffing, uh, some uh, bourbon peppercorn chicken marinated in my Dutch oven. Had some sweet corn with it. But I but it was like seven o'clock when I ate, right? So like I'm still kind of belching shit up right now. Belching shit that sounds nasty. Sorry if anyone's having dinner right now, and I'm. This is probably not the show you want to watch while you're eating dinner, but. To each his own, right? Oh, shit. Did I go over everything we're going to talk about? We got more shit, right? Oh, there is a rescue operation underway. Um, People have been trapped in a tunnel, a cave, a tunnel. It's a tunnel. A tunnel in India. People have been trapped for eight Days, eight days, a rescue operation underway. Kind of sounds like it's more of a uh, recovery effort now. Eight days. Ooh. Don't really want to talk about the Argentina elections. Not good. The Trump-loving candidate has apparently won... The shit-lib moderate has conceded. Got a lot of Trump news tonight. We're going to talk about the January 6th footage that was released by the Speaker of the House. All the conspiracy theories that have popped up as a result. And you may have wondered why Golden Shower... You may have got on Twitter... Earlier today, and seen that Golden Shower was trending. And you may have been like me and been like, why is Golden Shower trending? Is is pissing in Dan Crenshaw's eye pussy catching on? Dean Phillips has done a pivot? No fucking way. I'll have to, I'll have to check that one out, Richard. I had not seen his attempt at a pivot. It's like the um, when they're carrying the couch up the stairs and friends. 
That show is so painfully unfunny. I'm sorry anybody likes Friends. There's a lot of people that find Seinfeld painfully unfunny, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. There's a lot of people that find Sunny in Philadelphia painfully unfunny, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. So different strokes for different folks don't mean to yuck your yum. I'm just I'm gonna I'm just gonna let you look at the meme and I'm gonna go refill my coffee real fast. I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry. Alright, alright, I'm back, I'm back. Why? I'm clearly wearing pajama pants. I don't even know. Why did I care? Why did I care if you guys see my pajama pants? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that was embarrassing to me. Of all the things I've done on this show, why, why would wearing pajama pants be embarrassing to me? I wonder, like, for people that live across from me now, and they'll be in like their kitchen, I'll be in my kitchen. I wonder if they see me like getting dressed to like, cause I'm looking like shit all all the day, but like, come like thirty minutes till eight, I'm I'm getting I'm putting the bandana on, I'm putting a t-shirt on and shit. I actually have clothes on. I wonder if they look over like, is he going to work at eight o'clock? Well, he's back in like two hours. Back in his wife beater. One time I came on this stream, I just had the wife beater on. I was like, I didn't realize I was doing suns out, guns out. God damn, this is so good. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hit the hit the weed until I uh, got my coffee. Still kind of getting used to this thing. Looks like a like a woman's uh, is it like a diaphragm? Is that what holds your your birth control? That's what it kind of looks like to me. I'm sucking on a diaphragm. It makes me cough more than regular weed does. You guys see, you guys see me all the time. Like I take gigantic bong rips, blow it out here on stream, and just go back to reading the news. So I'm, I've got to wonder: is vaping not good for you? Because yeah, I iron lungs over here from taking bong rips for so long. This is this has not made me cough. Pretty much every time I've hit it, I've I've had a coughing fit. We did the we did the story of the dude that was like vaping for ten years, had to have a lung transplant last week. That weirded me out. Should I should I quit this habit and go back to smoking 
It's because surely the pot is bad for you too. You see, you see what my bong looks like. All the all the resin in it. Like that's your lungs. Surely the pot's bad for you as well. Purgatorius, I, you know, I very, very rarely don't wear pajama, you know, like I walk across the street to do something. If I take out the trash, I usually put regular pants on. And sometimes I take out the trash before the show, I leave regular pants on. But they actually say, say, if you have a remote job, you work from home. Marion, good evening. Resident, oh shit! I bet I know who you are. From, from Twitch. Glad to see you. That's what I've, I've wondered, but like, it makes me cough really bad. But then again, you know, we're talking about vaping weed versus vaping or versus smoking weed. And like, I had, I had a buddy, right? So like he and my brother... I don't, I don't like edibles as much. Nathan, good evening. I, I think I get higher from the smoke. But that could just be because I tend to smoke from a bong. Like, that's my favorite fucking way to smoke. So, like, it's just whoop, bong rip. And, like, there's a, there's a significant difference between a bong and, like, smoking a bowl or smoking a joint or anything. Like, you're just, you're inhaling it so much faster. Man, it's hopping in here tonight. So glad to see everybody. I like the, I like the vape uh, discussions going on. Hydro vapes. I, I don't know anything about, this is the first time I've ever bought a vape. I've hit other people's vapes. Like, I've been at concerts. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been at concerts. People, like, you let me hit their vape pin. Uh, when I was staying with, with uh, Puzzle Bitch for a little bit, his friend that came over, he had, like, a really powerful vape pin. And he's like, here, and, like, we had smoke. <laughs> he's like, here, hit this, hit this vape pin. And I hit it once and fucking... I didn't know. I didn't know how, you know, I'm taking a... Holy shit. Because I think really the first time I didn't really get anything off of it. And then the second time, like I hit it way too fucking hard, right? You, I didn't get it warmed up the first time, right? It was one of those you had to... This one you just suck on. Others you've got to like apparently turn them on five times and hit it two times to warm the coil or some shit. I want to, I, I want, I just didn't, I didn't have the, you know, the time and could, I didn't want to like hit somebody up. Cause like usually, um, when I go, when I, when I go to another state, I have to go to another state to buy. Um, when I do all that, you know, like I offer to take, take whoever takes me out to lunch, you know, it's not that it's a far drive. It's about 30 minutes. Uh, so an hour round trip. I offer to take them out to lunch. There's several really good restaurants there uh, that I don't get a chance to uh, uh, patronize much. So I always want to go to one of those. Like a world famous burger restaurant. Fucking love that place. Uh, it was amazing. 
So I always offer to buy whoever takes me lunch. And, you know, I want to go and, like, I need somebody to take me not only because I don't have a car, but because you can only buy a half ounce at a time. So if I have somebody take me, I can get a full ounce. And I just didn't, I didn't have the, the cash on me to buy a full ounce, take somebody out to lunch and everything. So I just walked across the street and I got one of these, these vapors. And like, I, I, I told him, I was like, give me the, give me the, you know, the, the best you got. Give me, give me whatever everybody fucking likes. And it was the most expensive. He might've just been fucking with me, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that much more expensive than all the rest, but it got, it, it comes with three of them. And, uh, I, I assume that one's supposed to be the, the Tiva. That one's supposed to be the Indica. And the one I've been smoking on is the, uh, blend. I haven't changed one of the other cartridges cause I want to see exactly how long it lasts me. And so far, like I, I got it on Friday and I've puffed the fucking shit out of it. I feel like it's about half empty now. It's got two giant bubbles on each side. It feels like there's still about half of it left, so. Oh, it's 20 after. I'm still rambling. I apologize. Sitting here trying to get high. Don't know what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving. Uh, Are we going to do a Thanksgiving show? Possibly. Who knows? I don't know. If we do a Thanksgiving show, we'll make it uh, We'll make it a fun show. So, uh, I won't hit you with any fucking, you know, war and mass shootings, anything like that. Unless there's a mass shooting on Thanksgiving. There's always the possibility. This is the United States, after all. Mass shooting we're covering tonight comes later on in the show. First, we're going to start off with some sad news. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter... The 39th First Lady of the United States has died at the age of 96. She was actually moved to hospice care, which I thought had already happened. I thought, um, I thought her and Jimmy both entered hospice care earlier in the year, but apparently it was just Jimmy and uh, Rosalind had entered hospice care uh, over the weekend, uh, passed away earlier today. We are coming on right now to bring you some breaking news. We are remembering former First Lady Rosalind Carter. In the last few minutes, the Carter Center said Carter died this afternoon in her home in Plains with family by her side. She was 96 and spent most of those years bringing awareness to mental health issues, championing hair, caregivers, and standing beside... It is very common when you have a spouse and their spouse passes away. Usually, they're not far behind. Because like you kind of like lose your will to live or whatever... That's another, that goes back to another thing where, like, um, people that have a job tend to live longer. If you just go into retirement, you don't really have anything to live for and shit. It's, I, I don't know if it's mental, but there's been, like, studies that prove this shit. Had the love of her life and her husband of 77 years, former President Jimmy Carter. Here's Channel 2's Linda Stouffer. Born Eleanor Rosalind Smith in Plains, Georgia, the former first lady was the oldest of four children. Carter's father died of leukemia when she was 13, forcing the teenager to step up at a young age. And it's a role that would guide her work to support caregivers later in life as first lady. I've had personal experience. My father died when I was 13. I was the oldest of four children. 
My mother's an only child. She was totally dependent on me. She and President Jimmy Carter met as kids. He was her friend's brother. They got married at 18. After high school, Rosalind attended Georgia Southwestern College. President Carter would rise through the ranks, making lieutenant in the Navy. But after his father's death, he left a promising career and moved back to Plains. Rosalind and President Carter had three sons, Jack, Jeff, and James. Later, one daughter named Amy. <laughs> no, In 1966, then state Senator Jimmy Carter ran for governor of Georgia. First defeated, Carter ran again in 1970 and won. <laughs> Rosalind by his side on the campaign. TJ Dub. And in 1976, sure Carter like campaigned alone across much of the country. I really think Jimmy can be president. Helping her husband win the White House. During the 2008 Democratic National Convention, she told us it's something she never would have imagined. I never dreamed I'd be first lady, and I had a lot to learn. And um, um, I had some good help along the way. After the White House, they founded the Carter Center in Northeast Atlanta. My heart is filled with gratitude, and that this will be a momentous day in the life of us all. A nonprofit with the mission of improving health worldwide, resolving conflicts, and promoting democracy. As First Lady, Rosalind Carter worked as an advocate for mental health. One is to speak out and get people talking about mental illness. In 2010, she shared her greatest frustration. If you could prioritize what we need to do, how would you do that? I would get over stigma. If I could wave a magic wand. <laughs> um, and that would help more than anything that I know of. The Carters made several trips overseas, many to Africa, focusing on health issues and farming practices. Even in 2009, Mrs. Carter told Channel 2 anchor John Pruitt, making a difference never gets old. And we go to Africa, I get so tired, I'm not going again. And um, the next time, but something so wonderful happened. I mean, you see children who grew because we gave them medicine, or people who have latrines. It's so exciting that the next time I'm ready to go again. But living with Jimmy Carter has been an adventure. The Carters were also supporters of Habitat for Humanity, a passion they discovered by accident. I went to New York City one Sunday, and early in the morning I jogged out to what I heard was a Habitat site. And when I got there, there were a bunch of uh, students from colleges in New England working on a horrible project. And I said, just on the spur of the moment, uh, Rosa and I need to help you with this. Looks like you're in serious trouble. <laughs> In 2016, we went along as they worked on a project in Memphis, Tennessee. The project came just a year after President Carter overcame a battle with cancer. A life of service and deep understanding for those who do the same. Rosalind Carter's passion leaves a mark on a small town in Georgia and the world. Well, millions are still suffering, <laughs> but I hope I have helped a little bit. And that was Linda Stover. The Carters surprised people at the annual peanut festival in Plains in late September. They rode in the annual parade. It was their first public event since the former president entered hospice care in February. I think it's so important for the kids to see. Um, just that, that to me, that's just being good Americans, good humans. And I think President Carter is a great example of that. Well, on Friday, the Carter family announced that Mrs. Carter entered hospice care. She was diagnosed with dementia back in May.
We have a live look now at the Carter Center in Atlanta where uh, we are getting that news again that Rosalind Carter has passed away this afternoon. A mother of four, 11 grandchildren, 14 great grandchildren. And again, at the Carter Center, the family saying that they are going to release the events, how they are going to remember Rosalind uh, Carter in the coming days, the memorials that they will have for her. And this is the website at the Carter Center where they are asking people to go on uh, and leave their tributes to the family. There's a condolence book and they say an opportunity for memorial gifts as well for people to go on and express their condolences. Again, this tribute website includes the family's official online condolence book uh, for memorial gifts as well as an official biography and downloadable photos. Insanely ahead of their time. What's what's the what's the Michael J. Fox line from Back to the Future? You're not ready for that, but your kids are gonna love it. Jimmy Carter tried to break us of our dependence on foreign oil and tell us that uh, the debt was getting out of control and that we need to tighten our belts. Stop living on credit. The baby boomers were like, Nuh-uh, we want to do coke and party. Tax cuts for the rich. I I totally believe if the message of Jimmy Carter, Rosalind Carter, uh, on, the, on the forefront of mental health, talking about breaking the stigma of mental health in the 70s. There's like... He's probably the best president of my lifetime. You could make a you could make an argument for Biden. Come on, man. Because of his embrace of labor. We're going to have to evaluate some other things uh, when it comes to Biden. But there's criticism to be had of the Carter administration as well because the de- deregulation of Ronald Reagan actually started a lot sooner. Jimmy Carter helped deregulate the train industry. So, like most people, a mixed bag. But there is something I can say. Whether or not he's the greatest president of my lifetime, there is there is something you can say about him. He probably is the most moral and ethical person ever to hold that office. I think I can say that. Uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And now, let me give you the exact opposite of that. (laughs) Donald Trump heard about uh, the news. This was Rosalind Carter going into hospice care. I don't think he knew that she had died yet. Incompetent. He's the worst president we've ever had. And the happiest person anywhere in this country right now is Jimmy Carter because his administration looked brilliant compared to these clowns. It looked brilliant. Yes, that's another thing, Richard. We we might have had a two-state solution if Carter had had another term. That might have actually happened, but here's here's Trump saying that Biden is is probably or that Jimmy Carter is happy today. Because Biden is, has now, which is wild because all the historians say that Trump was a worse president than, than not the worst, 
But in the in the bottom, uh, what seven or eight? He's incompetent. He's the worst president we've ever had. And the happiest person anywhere in this country right now is Jimmy Carter because his administration looked brilliant compared to these clowns. It looked brilliant. Jimmy Carter was compared to Biden. Jimmy. <laughs> it looked brilliant compared to the clowns that were you and the two Bushes and Reagan, let me tell you. Carter was a brilliant, brilliant president. That was from a stop in Iowa. Trump made over the weekend. Not the only news he made in the last couple of days. I think this happened on Friday at an event in Iowa. It might have been yesterday. Once again, mocking Biden and apparently his mental faculties, which is weird because apparently Trump said that Obama should resign immediately. But, you know, what can I say? He runs 1.4 billion people with an iron hand. And they say, oh, he said good things about him. No, he happens to be a very smart person. If I say a certain leader is smart, that's controlling a big part of the world, the press gets upset that I say smart because that's a good thing. No, no, very smart people. These are very smart people, but they're dealing with very stupid people. Our leader, our leader is a stupid person. Come on, man. Our leader. Our leader can't do- just the fucking audacity for one of the dumbest people I've ever witnessed in public live. And that's saying something. I, I grew up in the age of reality TV. Like this dude is maybe marginally smarter than the dumbest person that was on the real world. Our leader can't get off this stage. You see this stage? When he's finished with the speech, by the time whatever it is he's taking wears off, and he's he's looking. Okay, thank you. Thank you. How do I leave? That's what happened. This is the guy we have keeping us out of nuclear war. And by the way, I've been indicted more times than Alphonse Capone. <laughs> good, good ending there, Trump. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I like that. I wonder if Forbes did that on purpose. Where they cut that video. Because <laughs> you could have cut it a sentence earlier. Trump makes fun of Biden, but they left in the, I've been indicted more than Alphonse Capone. Could be because you're a criminal. I mentioned it earlier. Golden shower was trending on Twitter. And no, it wasn't because everybody all of a sudden caught on to my bit. About pissing in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. I wish I'd give anything in the world to give Dan Crenshaw a golden shower. Piss right in that little eye pussy. 
It was apparently because Trump explained why his wife, Melania, didn't believe the P-tape story. Company, that's one thing that's come out. We have a crooked judge. We have a rig- By the way, by the way, Justin 100% believes the P-tape story. And if you guys don't know, because like the way the media reported it didn't really tell you because they can't just come right out and say shit. It was, they, you know, golden shower tape, the P-tape, whatever. And it makes you think that, like, Trump was getting peed on by a hooker. No, Trump is a germaphobe. And that was never what the accusation was about the P-tape. It was not that Trump was getting pissed on by a hooker. It was that he stayed in a hotel in Moscow, where pre- and it was in the presidential suite or whatever, and Obama had slept in that bed. So he hired hookers to piss on the bed that Obama slept in, and he was, like, in the corner watching. I totally believe that. Makes perfect sense to me, knowing who Trump is. So, no, I don't believe, like, I... The media never really got it right. They didn't come right out and tell you what the accusation was of the P-tape. But that's what it was, that he had hookers piss on a bed because Obama had slept in it. Which seems kind of fucking racist. It's like fucking, oh, we gotta purify the sheets because the black dude slept in it. Or maybe it's just a hatred of Obama. I don't fucking know. But this is apparently why Melania didn't believe the P-tape story. We have a rigged court case. We have a, an AG who campaigned on, I will get Donald Trump. I will get Donald Trump, I swear. I will. Then she says, oh, I never said that. We got about 30 tapes. I will get Donald Trump. I will get him. She doesn't know a thing about me. She didn't look at anything. She's campaigning. She, was, she wasn't an officer or anything. Didn't see anything. Nope. Yes, nobody knows a thing about Donald Trump, the dude who has been like a fucking boil on her ass for the last 30 fucking years. You're telling me she didn't know anything about you. And she's in New York, sir. I said boil on her ass for 30 years. When it comes to New York, you've been a boil on the ass for like 40 fucking years. But he knew it was a private company. I will get Donald Trump. Uh, she's a radical lunatic. And we're winning this case so much, but we have a judge that refuses to give up. And we have a judge who's a Democrat club politician. Think of this. You put your, a, a piece of your life, you know, you built this great thing, and you put a piece of your life, New York City, where we did so well. New York City! In the City. hands of a radical left lunatic judge from the clubs. From the clubs. He's a Democrat club politician. He's now been overturned four times. He's been overturned more than any judge in New York State. And I got this guy as a judge. But somehow it's going to work out. You know, somehow. Can't tell you how. He thinks he's going to win the presidency and get out of it. Now, what it is doing, and I believe the reason we're doing so well in the polls is because the people see it. They see it as a, uh, a persecution of a political candidate. They see it as a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. That's what it is. This is the greatest witch hunt that started with Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember that? He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife, it's not true, darling. I love you very much. It's not true. Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know? 
Once again, that wasn't the accusation. Not into golden showers, as they say they called it. I don't like that idea. No, I didn't. I thought that would be a big problem. I was going to have a rough night, but that one she was very good on. She said, no, that you're okay on that one. That's all the other ones. It wasn't a campaign that we're all involved in. We're in serious trouble. If Biden's in serious trouble, the threat from that guy. <laughs> That's, which, I mean, I, I know what the reality is. But once again, don't sweat too much. I That is one of the biggest reasons why he actually ran for office. But I think he probably would have done it anyway. Because he'd been flirting with the idea all the way back in like the early 90s. So I think it was coming. But supposedly it was Obama joking about him at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. But he never thought he would win. That's A lot of people forget this. He didn't think he was going to win in 2016. It was, it was all a exercise... To, to, for his brand. I laughed so hard. Like a... I don't know what you want to... Like, I was confused. I was stunned. It was one of those, like... <laughs> that's the president you get, America. I mean, like, it, it's truly a reflection of the country. Laughing about Donald Trump winning... On what, what, November, was it 9th? Or was it, it was 11th. I know that because it was like, uh, it was, it was November 9th. Because Michael Moore wanted to do a, a documentary and, and it was like Fahrenheit 11-9 or whatever the fuck. The date that Donald Trump won. Where the fuck is Michael Moore gone? Has he made a movie? I feel like I haven't seen one since Sicko. Michael Moore? Probably. Oh, but you might be talking about Donald Trump. Yes, he's a professional con man. I So I've got mixed feelings about Michael Moore for a lot of reasons, but also I have to give him credit. Uh, seeing bowling for Columbine when I saw it was one of the things that helped me become woke. Woke. That's what you would call it. Remember, I was president of the Young Republicans in high school. So it was like, it was listening to Tool, System of a Down, Angsty, Rage Against the Machine, that kind of music when I hit my late teens. Bill Hicks, George Carlin, and even Bill Maher at the time. Or what helped me break out from the the right-wing mindset. Because I could have I could have totally ended up being like a, a 20-year-old chud. And some some folks would argue that I did indeed become a 20-year-old chud. But at least my politics were good. 
I I started getting more and more radical. Radical idea was to speaking of the opposite of radical. John Stewart hadn't hit his stride yet. I want to say around the time I'm thinking it would have still been like Craig Kilborn doing the daily show. And even after John Stewart first, Oh, Oh, Craig Kilborn would have been like 98, 99, something like that. Cause John Stewart would have took over. And then not long after that, nine 11 happened. I was still hanging on to the, the conservatism in the 9-11 age, you know, I worked for a country music station. Toby Keith came out with the, we'll put a boot in your ass song. And like, everybody's like, woohoo. Yeah. There's some real Islamophobia going around. I don't want to say, I don't want to say the thing everybody referred to Muslims as where I'm from. But then I get to like, 2002, 2003. 2003 is when it's really hitting. Like, by the time we are actually invading Iraq, I am anti-war, and I've gone completely the other way. But also, like, you've got to think about... I've smoked pot for the first time when I'm... I think 16. I was... Cause I was, um... The Speech and Drama Club... So a couple of the kids would would smoke the pot when we'd go on speech trips. But I didn't really get high the first two or three times. Uh, yeah, Richard, that's I, I had to kind of correct that, walk it back, because I remember Jon Stewart being on for 9-11. Um, so once, once I started working at the radio station and I had my own vehicle... My mom got really sick at the same fucking time, and she was pretty much bedridden. So I'm working at the radio station. They're working me all kinds of crazy hours. I've got my own vehicle. I just didn't tell my mom ever where I was at. She she had her own problems to worry about. So like my senior year, I just came and did what I wanted. I'd stay gone for days on end. Uh, Cause like the radio station would call and cause uh, yeah, my mom could fucking turn on the radio and hear me. So, <laughs> uh, the radio station would call my high school and my high school would let me leave to go work at the radio station. Uh, small town, Kentucky. So once, once that happened, the other two, like we were board ops, right? We, that's the entry level position at a radio station. You watch the boards. You make sure all the commercials play. You play your spots during ball games. If there's a remote, you got to hook people up. You might have to give the weather or send it down to, to somebody else. That sort of thing. The other two board ops that worked at that radio station were both DJs at nightclubs. So I'm 16, got my own vehicle, coming and going as I please. And they're like, you know, 22, 23, whatever the fuck they are. They worked at the nightclubs. Take me in and introduce me to the boss, all the bartenders. I'm fucking drinking. I'm hanging out with with women at this bar. (laughs) And one of the the, uh, DJs, I was there with him at, at his club. His girlfriend at the time was super fucking cool. 
And I'm, I'm pretty sure she felt me up one time. We went out to her car and we hotboxed a joint. And that's the first time I ever got high. And like, I, I was like, whoa, this is life changing. But that's, that's, that's just to say that um, smoking pot and getting into George Carlin, Bill Hicks, Tool, Rage Against the Machine, all that good shit. That probably had played a, a huge role in it. Like you fucking, you look at things differently. Fucking tripping. You trip on some acid or some, some mushrooms. It will completely change your ego death is what they call it. And that's when, like, I used to call myself Justin freaking Mullins. That was that was my on-air name. It's pretentious as fuck. It sucks. I, um, I did some mushrooms one time, and I'm looking at this picture I have of me on the wall, and I'm like, I always thought this picture was, was like, you know, me, me being, uh, like, joking on people, but, like, the joke's on me. Like, I'm, I've, I've been coming about this all wrong, and that's when I decided to start calling myself Justin Freakin'. And I love it so much better. Not pretentious. Believe me, if I had my career to do over again, I would be Justin Muffins. Everybody likes Justin Muffins better. Justin Muffins is a screen name that people will look at and be like, oh, I want to click on that. Justin Freakin' is kind of off-putting. I would assume a lot of conservative teens. And here's here's one of the things is like, was I a conservative really? The girl that lived across the street from me, I kind of had a little crush on. She She was like four or five years older than me. And she was... She was very, um... Uptight religious. Went to a went to a religious uh, college and shit. I think she had an epiphany while she was in college. I think she might be a lesbian uh, and changed her. But she was she was always like a fucking uh, not Catholic. Uh, it was a type of like Baptist that wore like the long jean skirts and shit. But she was kind of cool. Like she wasn't. Like the other one, but like I was friends with her brother. Her brother was super cool. He fucking like uh, he would tr- trade porn with me and shit. Like he was he was wild. But she was kind of she was a little uptight. But like I, I had like such a crush on her because she was cute. And um, she was a Republican. And then I at the you know at the same time I've got a social studies teacher that was really fucking good but was teaching us Republican as in Dwight D. Eisenhower Republicanism. Because this is before the Bush administration, right? So we're not in the the complete neocon takeover of government. This is the ass end of the Clinton administration. And that just kind of, I guess, skewed my belief. Like, I, I had an ideal of what a Republican is... But they aren't anymore by by no stretch of the imagination. So that could be a big reason that I thought I was a Republican. And then also like the the kids I hung out with, they they were in like the Young Republicans Club. And <laughs> I was president of the Young Republicans. I've said this many times, but also I have to put a caveat. They just did it as a prank on uh, they they made me president of the Young Republicans as a prank on the dude who really wanted to be president of the Young Republicans. 
There's only like five or six of us anyway. And like one dude really wanted it really bad. So it was a prank. Everybody else voted for me. Because I probably wasn't all that political at the time. Because I even did, I did like extemporaneous speaking and impromptu speaking in, in uh, debate. But I'm not who I am now. Like I'm, I'm pretty well read now. And I can speak on like a whole lot of subjects. I th- that was not who I was as a teenager. So I would go in and like do stand up comedy routines. You would you would have like an hour to prepare for extemporaneous speaking. Had to give like a ten minute speech. I would spend that time going around hitting on girls and just go in fucking bullshit. Whatever whatever the topic is, like it it was now a. An impromptu stand-up performance for Justin. If I had that to do over again, I would have rocked that shit. I would have won all those. I also don't have any regrets. When you have like, I can't regret anything I've done in the past because I've gotten to do so much cool shit. And like, you know, there's if I'd done any little thing differently, I wouldn't have met some of the people I've met and had the experiences I've had. And, wouldn't trade it for anything, I guess. Sucks I did not have the foresight to start streaming in 2012 when I got kicked off the radio. Holy shit. Kicking myself on that one, though. Anyway. I'm out of coffee. I don't have more. I don't have more to go get. Exactly, DJW. You haven't gained any perspective. And that's why so many kids that grow up in conservative households, they go off to college and they have experiences with with people from around the world and they, they understand that bigotry, racism, all that shit, like it's bullshit. And they start learning about the, the structures of society. And then the, the reason why the baby boomers are revolting so heavily is because the kids come back and start telling their parents, no, you're being racist. No, you're all upholding the, the structure of racism. That's why you're hearing all this shit about DEI and brainwashing and woke culture and everything. What it really is is the kids are getting educated and coming back and correcting the, the dumbass baby boomers, and they don't like having their... their, their and it's not all baby boomers... I know this. My my parents weren't weren't part of the problem. Well, I they were apolitical for most of my life, and I thought that was a problem after you know I got politically involved. I'm like, how can you not be out here voting against Bush? This motherfucker is evil. You know, but that's 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 another reason why a lot of baby boomers got complacent, and involved in their own life. And yeah, hey, that's understandable you've got you've got to go out here and work a nine to five you've got to you know maintain your house and your property taxes and all i understand and you've got your kids to take care of it's hard to pay attention to politics it's hard to stay well read i have a hard time reading a book now as it is and i don't have fucking kids i wish i had time to read more i miss it But they get complacent and they get out of touch with what's what is actually going on 
And this problem has been compounded by the fact that, like, you can now search out whatever fucking news you want to confirm your bias. So they can they can go to something that looks authoritarian, not not a, like an authority, not authoritarian, authoritative. That's the word I wanted. It it looks authoritative, and they can they can confirm their beliefs. That's a big that's a that's a big part of the the issue that we're having with the the older generation and the people that are in power right now. Unfortunately. I don't know how you solve that. I don't know how you solve. We're going to talk about the January six tapes here in just a little bit. All the all the right wingers that are posting these these just little twenty second clips, like, oh look, the protesters were peaceful. Oh look, this cop was, a, and they've been sharing around this, and like this is how weak their argument is. They've been sharing around one picture that kind of looks like a dude's holding a badge. It's not a badge. It's a vape. Let me let me see if I well we're gonna do the Jan, we're gonna do the January six tapes here in a second so I'll I'll get to that here let's let's do this first tangentially related a court in Colorado on Friday all but struck Trump from the ballot in Colorado. Scathing rebuke of Trump's actions, but stopped short of actually removing him from the ballot. For, I, I, I hate playing. I'm sorry. that I, You guys haven't told me she needs a content warning, but I have a feeling you want me to give you a content warning for her. Here's Jen Psaki on MSNBC. Joining me now is our in-house law firm. Andrew Weissman is the former general counsel at the FBI and a senior member of special counsel Robert Robert Mueller's team. Neil Katyal is the former acting U.S. solicitor general. So, Andrew, we always know what you think because you are very prolific on Twitter. But I wanted to ask you, last night at a rally, Donald Trump basically said... He's like, yeah, I'm a shit poster. ...victory, essentially, a court victory for him. What did you think when you read that ruling? Well, that's a lot like his saying that after an impeachment, he was you know, exonerated. exonerated right? the, the Mueller report exonerated yes. him. I mean, so look, that's his spin. I do think there's a factual component to this ruling and a legal component. Yeah. It's great that you're focusing on the sort of misleading headlines. The factual component is not just the bottom line that you read where the judge says, I find mm-hmm. that he incited, but she goes through a litany of his history of violence rhetoric Mm -hmm. and let me just give you one example from the ellipse which i think yeah richard that's one of the um it's one of the things that they're going to talk talk about here is katyal says hell yeah he'd argue it in front of the supreme court that's why i wanted to play this clip many people had not focused on was the judge said this is from donald trump's exact words when you catch somebody in a fraud you're allowed to go by very different rules. Mm. And then he talked about fighting over and over and over again. I mean, so that was the very explicit finding with enormous support. Mm. And then I'm sure Neil's going to talk a lot about the legal ruling, but just here's my lay non-legal view. (laughs) The idea that people passed this part of the Constitution saying, if you engage in insurrection, you cannot hold any office 
accept the presidency yeah. seems crazy. It doesn't make sense. At all. That, I is, mean, that is a lay legal view-ish. Yes, and a legal exactly. View. <laughs> so, so, Neil, I think one of the big questions here is kind of what happens from here. A lot of the reporting suggests it could go to the Colorado Supreme Court next and then ultimately to the Supreme Court. You're very familiar with these processes. The Supremist Court. What could happen from here? Yeah, so I, I do uh, argue, argue appeals for a living, and I live part of the year in Colorado, so very familiar with the Colorado Supreme Court. Mm. And, you know, I think, Andrew, and you have got it exactly right. If I were to put the headline uh, on Friday night as an appeals lawyer, it would be, this is the very worst decision Donald Trump could get from the trial court, because it's going to go on appeal to the Colorado Supreme Court, perhaps the U.S. Supreme Court, and there Trump is going to face extreme headwinds. And the reason for that is... The factual find. there's two parts, as Andrew says, there's a the mm -hmm. factual finding that the judge said, which is Trump committed insurrection. And then there's a legal part that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the office of the presidency. And on appeals, Jen, the factual findings get massive deference by the appeals court. It's almost impossible to overturn a trial judge's factual finding. You can overturn the legal findings because that's a basically a fresh look at the legal mm -hmm. thing. And here this judge factually made devastating findings against Trump and then looked at this legal technicality, which was, well, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the office of the president, which is so weak. Even the judge themselves admitted that this would be preposterous. And the reason for that is that there are other parts of the Constitution that say that the president is an office holder of the United States, which is kind of obvious. And the text and the part you didn't bold um, when you flashed the 14th Amendment says it applies to, quote, any office, civil or military, under the United States, as long as you've taken an oath. And of course, the president does take an oath. And it would be an insane reading otherwise. It would mean Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee mm. could have run for the presidency in 1868. That cannot possibly be the law. And I don't think that it will command a majority of the Colorado Supreme Court or certainly the United States Supreme Court. So you've argued a lot of cases before the Supreme Court. Would you take this case? Hell yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready and willing to go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Jen Psaki liked that. She's like, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, Trump isn't even a symptom. He is just a a tool of, of the rich fucks that have wanted this for, for years. This goes back to the Birch Society. In like what the fifties is when this shit started. This strain of it, I I played you guys the video of like uh, the the Nazi rally they had at Madison Square Garden in the thirties. We've always had these fascist fucks and these these puritanical evangelicals. You can you can run a line straight back through it all the way through. Uh, George Lincoln Rockwell, the father of the modern modern neo-Nazi movement. Neo-Nazis back in fashion, by the way. We're going to get to that later on in the show. But first, let's watch some neo-Nazis. From back on January 6th, the insurrection that Trump incited. New January 6th videos released launching wild conspiracies from the far right. Right-wing loyalists to former President Donald Trump are using newly released footage of the January 6th Capitol. And this is Forbes, by the way. 
This isn't some uh, liberal rag. Are using newly released footage of the January 6th Capitol riots to further a debunked narrative that law enforcement orchestrated the attacks in order to distract from election fraud, the latest far-right conspiracy intended to downplay Trump supporters' role in the insurrection. House Speaker Mike Johnson publicly released 90 hours of new footage of the riots on Friday, making good on a promise he made during his campaign for Speaker as Trump allies in Congress have repeatedly called for the tapes to be made public, claiming they will prove rioters were wrongly convicted. They don't. They don't prove that at all, but that hasn't stopped all these these chuckle fucks from saying it. Right-wing social media users are amplifying questionable interpretations of some of the clips, claiming they show law enforcement officials helping the rioters storm the Capitol, with some FBI officials acting as insurrectionists, coining the term... Fedsurrection. One video that's making the rounds on Twitter shows convicted rioter Kevin Lyons walking through a security checkpoint in the Capitol while raising an object in his hand that far-right social media users, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, this is the one I was talking about, claim is a law enforcement badge, though it is unclear what he's holding, and some have argued it's actually a vaping device. I will show you the fucking picture. And you will see that it's absolutely a fucking vape. Hold on. We'll we'll save that shit here. Let me, let me pull it up. We will zoom in on this bitch. That is a vape pen. It is not a badge. He is not flashing. I saw a United States Senator tweet this shit out. Fuck you, Mike Lee. Is embarrassing. Green and others called on Johnson to create a new January 6th committee to reinvestigate the Capitol attacks, insisting, I've said it all along, MAGA did not do this. Senator Mike Lee also retweeted the clip and said he can't wait to ask FBI Director Chris Ray about this at the next House Oversight Committee hearing. The man featured in the clip appears to be Kevin Lyons, who was sentenced to more than four years in prison in January after he recorded himself stealing a wallet from a Capitol staffer and texted friends a framed photograph he said he stole from the office of then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The dude's already been convicted. It is almost entertaining, except for the fact that... Senator Mike Lee, he has power. A sitting senator. Multiple congresspeople. Federal officials have repeatedly said there's no evidence that law enforcement officials helped coordinate the attacks. I firmly believe, and we know for a fact there were several cops. 
I see even my even my promo said the freak show comes back on Friday. I gotta change that. I've got the got the regular version of that here. Boom. There were multiple cops involved with this. It wouldn't surprise me that there were feds in the crowd that were totally behind an insurrection and on Donald Trump's side would not shock me. And I'm certain there are people that were FBI informants. We know about Enrique Torrio. I think he was working with the feds long before January 6th. I'm pretty sure there is evidence to to uh, come to that conclusion that he was already ratting out Proud Boys before January 6th. So when I hear Republicans talk about, oh, there were feds in the crowd, what exactly do you mean by that? You're asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by the FBI, sources, or agents. The answer is emphatically no. Ray told Representative Clay Higgins. We watched that earlier in the week. Former, rep- uh, former Republican Representative Liz Cheney. It's actually my next story. Let's go ahead and jump to it. Liz Cheney got into a fight with these dickwad Republicans about what the videos actually show. Cheney and Republican Senator exchanged fiery words over January 6th videos. Former Representative Liz Cheney, a Wyoming Republican, and Senator Mike Lee, a Utah Republican, exchanged a few choice words on Saturday on social media. House Speaker Mike Johnson, a Louisiana Republican, announced on Friday this office would be releasing the complete archive of the Capitol riot footage. After the initial release of 90 hours, I knew that wasn't all of it. Why? Why just those 90 hours? Oh my God, did these fucks go through and release the 90 hours that they thought showed it was peaceful? It's, it's the 90 hours that they think prove their case. And there's 44,000 hours more. So yeah, fuck him. He was playing politics with it. I want it all released. I've always, I don't know why they didn't release it. They should have released every bit of that shit after the January 6th committee. Should have all went up online when the committee was uh, doing their presentation. I understand keeping it under wraps until then, but once it, once they've done, I, there is an argument to be made, I guess, that, you know, Jack Smith and his evidence in Jack Smith's trial but like fucking once the committee was done they should have released all the video so so jackass Mike Johnson couldn't do exactly this since the release of the footage many Republicans particularly supporters of former President Donald Trump aligned with the Make America Great Again movement have claimed the videos man Newsweek is very uh, showing a lot of deference to uh, Republican extremism the Make America Great Again movement have claimed the videos will help confirm their narrative that the events that transpired on January 6th was not a violent storming of the Capitol 
in response to 2020, uh, Trump's 2020 election loss. However, this narrative has been strongly denied by others, including Democrats and moderate Republicans, with available footage and eyewitness testimony rebuking the idea that January 6th was not violent. After a number of short clips from the newly released footage were shared to X, Cheney took to X on Friday and wrote, Here's some January 6th video for you and shared a clip of previously, unav- or previously available footage from the day edited together by the New York Times. The clip, riders can be seen aggressively engaging the Capitol security and police forces, spraying them with pepper spray, hitting them with flags and other long items, and forcing their way into doors. On Saturday, Lee shared his thoughts on Cheney's post by stating that particular footage had been widely seen while alleging the former congresswoman is hiding other footage, seemingly referring to the newly released footage that would suggest the riot was not violent. Once again, this has been compared to, like, why are you paying attention to the five minutes on video where I'm robbing the bank? Why aren't you paying attention to the 55 minutes where I'm just standing there doing nothing? Liz, we've seen the footage. We've seen footage like that a million times. You made sure we saw that and nothing else. It's the other stuff that you deliberately hid from us that we find so upsetting. And I wanted to, like, why... If you're proving your case that it was violent at the Capitol, why would you need to show? And like, I do want to know why the fucking cops weren't doing the goddamn job. There is footage. Let me see if I can find it quickly here on Twitter. Of just, uh, rioters. Walking through the Capitol uh, and the and the cops doing nothing. Yeah, here it is. Pretty, pretty top of the, pretty top of the Twitter feed here. Why are these fucking cops not doing their jobs? Are they acting on their own or did they have orders to stand down? Am I snorting some coke? Feel like maybe they had orders to stand down? Because this dude's like, why are we letting them do this? That's what I'm thinking. They were waiting for some kind of backup or something. But why this is evidence of anything, I don't I don't understand. Is that this changes nothing that we know? about January 6th? I don't know exactly what this... This is Michael Tracy sharing it out. January 6th defendants have long argued that the initial entrants were peaceably escorted into the building by Capitol Police and therefore had no reasonable expectation that their conduct was unlawful. And we had already seen 
footage of cops opening the gates for them and shit. I, I, I want to know why the cops weren't doing their job. It could be that they had orders to stand down, wait for backup, wait for... Because remember, another thing that, that they're not taking into account here is that agencies had been warning about violence, but the executive branch kind of stifled their ability to do anything about it. Like we know the FBI had orders not to uh, be investigating too closely. We've heard that testimony. That's a, they've already broke windows at this point. And that's, the cops are lining the, the windows and shit. But very clearly, they should have not been in the building. The building was closed. This was still during COVID. They were doing construction on the building, so they were not allowed to be inside. So the idea that because the cops walked with them, they weren't breaking the law, that's simply not true either. However, the former congresswoman fired back and wrote, Hey, based Mike Lee, is that really his handle? Heads up, a nutball conspiracy theorist appears to be posting from your account. The exchange follows a current call from Lee for an invest. Is it really based Mike Lee? Got to be joking. There's Senator Mike Lee. It fucking is. His personal account is based Mike Lee. Amazing. But didn't Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger ever refer to any of these tapes? Maybe they never looked for them. Maybe they never even questioned their own narrative. Maybe they were just too busy selectively leaking the text messages of Republicans they wanted to defeat. That was according to Senator Lee. Cheney, who has been amongst the most prominent GOP critics of Trump, served on the committee that was investigating the riot in detail, along with former Republican Representative Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. December of 2022, the committee published a 845-page report that said Trump was personally responsible for the riot and recommended that he face criminal charges. Based Mike Lee. I guess we'll go the opposite direction. I didn't know. I didn't know if we were going to have the results yet or not, but it was happening as I was coming on. So, go to Argentina where a Trump-like candidate has won the presidency. Libertarian outsider Millet trounces incumbent uh, Perninist rival 
taking 56% of the vote compared to 44% of the vote for Massa, who stepped aside as economy minister. He was the economy minister during a bad economy and running for president. General election was fought about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. This was the runoff because no candidate secured 50% of the vote. Bonds may get a boost, but eyes now turn. We're reading from Bloomberg. That's why it's talking about bonds. Bonds may get a boost, but eyes now turn to specifics as Malay's plans and cabinet picks, plus any moves by outgoing government. This dude is wild. Don't believe me? Let me show you a picture of him. This is the president-elect of Argentina. I don't believe he's visiting a sick kid in the hospital there. That would be an acceptable reason to wear that outfit. I don't believe it had anything to do with... Yes, chainsaw will... Yes, we gotta do the chainsaw. Here's one of our chainsaws. Apparently, there's several. Let's take a chainsaw to the woke. Marks, Joey, good evening. Fuera. Ministerio de Cultura, afuera. Ministerio de Ambiente y Desarrollo. This is what he is wanting to do to the government of Argentina, much like Trump. Sostenible, afuera. Ministerio de las Mujeres y Género y Diversidad, afuera. Ministerio de Obras Públicas, afuera. Aunque te resistas. Ministerio de Ciencia y Tecnología e Innovación, afuera. Ministerio de Trabajo, Empleo y Seguridad Social, afuera. Ministerio de Educación, Adoctrinamiento, afuera. Ministerio de Indoctrination. Ministerio de Salud, afuera. Ministerio de Desarrollo Social, afuera. Se acabó. No, I think it was a campaign event. I think he sees himself as a superhero. I think that was his, if I remember correctly, like that was his own superhero, like a ministry man or economic minister man or some shit like that. The thievery of politics is over. El curro de la política. ¡Viva la libertad, carajo! He's a very meme-oriented president. Or will be a very meme-oriented president. Now, Argentina. I would like to point you to one of your neighbors there in the southern hemisphere and ask you, did you see what happened to Brazil? Yeah, he's a right-wing libertarian. Anarcho-capitalist. 
wants to destroy the government. Now, I'm going to assume this is going to be another, uh, yeah, what's his, what was his name? What was the president of Brazil that fled here to, to was seen at a KFC in Florida or some shit? Bolsonaro. Thank you, Venus. I owe you a Coke. With with the delay, you probably said it right at the same time as I, I did. Bolsonaro. I have to find I wouldn't even know where to get some anymore. I haven't, fuck, I haven't bought fucking black market drugs in forever. I don't even know how to get to the black market anymore. Used to be all, uh, all, all the only place I spent my time. Cane is a hell of a drug. You find meth a hell of a lot more easy than you do cocaine nowadays. As I understand it. But to be, to be completely honest with you. I may not want to do anything. They, they might, they may, may have me scared of the, the fentanyl now. All these people out here ODing. I think Dana Carvey came out and said his son died of an accidental overdose. Yeah, like you can't, you can't trust these sketchy people out on the street anymore. You, <laughs> I can't believe I just used to go buy fucking drugs from strangers and shit. <laughs> God damn. But honestly, like I like I'm not into any of that kind of shit anymore. As like speed drugs, I just want to fuck and like my dick don't work on speed drugs anymore. So I'd have to like get a script for Viagra. <laughs> I I hit 30. And my, my dick quit working on the speed drugs. You get the limp. And it's like a common thing. Those of you, those of you who think I'm, 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 not, I'm not virile or anything. It's like a common thing that like uh, those drugs will have that effect on you. Whiskey dick. I think there's, either, there's another uh, uh, colloquial phrase for, uh, for uh, getting a limp dick on the drugs. Dolph? Dolph? <laughs> I, like... I just want to fuck. Like, that's the... Because I'm naturally hyper anyway. That's why my... My thing was always uh, doing downers. It's pretty common for dealers to carry Viagra. Well, hell yeah! <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Because... Uh, it, like it's a thing, right? Party and play. I mean, I brought it up here on the on the stream. Like I've I've hooked up with people and they have offered me things. I'm like, no, no, I'm here for the sex, really. Like I used to do, like used to do that and have the sex. It was like twenty year old me in my twenties. I guess that comes from like. When I was with I, the woman I referred to as crack whore that I, I kind of feel bad that I've made all the jokes about her. 
Uh, but like she and I, we would get uh, we'd get like a like a gram of meth, and like spend all weekend just like it was like a ritual, right? Like we would take uh, a bath. And be in the bathtub for like six, seven hours until like the water like never didn't run warm anymore. Just like fondling each other. And then we go in the bedroom and uh, like lay there and watch porn and just like masturbate together for hours and hours. And then, then have sex for like another 10 fucking hours. And then sleep for a day and a half. Same meth, uh, Molly, ecstasy, anything like that. All the speedy drugs. They were always the same to me. I never, I never understood the difference in any of them. They all affected me the same way. I just wanted to fuck. <laughs> And I wonder, I wonder, my, my dad came down one weekend and we went to a NASCAR race, me and Cassandra and her mom and my dad. And I wonder if my dad fucked her mom. It was like, we weren't together the whole fucking time. He'd take her mom into a board of body. Because knowing both of them, it could have very well happened. And we were we were doing the drugs. Anyway. Let me give you a downer. We have like drug and sex talk. I live in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? Let me give you a downer now. 40 workers in India are trapped in a tunnel. This is a story from like a day ago. I couldn't find a more current video. Uh, but they are still trapped. And apparently like it's like Monday morning in India right now. or getting ready to be Monday morning. And they are going to deploy a new strategy, which I assume is... Dead body recovery as opposed to trying to rescue 40 workers. Tunnel collapsed. Men have been stranded in this highway tunnel for nearly a week. Eight days now. Workers protested outside saying the pace of the rescue effort has been too slow. Some blamed officials for ignoring the safety guidelines, which they said led to the incident. Tunnel collapsed 500 feet from the entrance on November 12th. Crews are working around the clock to try to free the men using drills and excavators. But falling debris and machinery problems have stalled the effort. The state-run company building the 2.7-mile tunnel said the latest rescue attempt hit a snag because the drilling machine was coming off the ground and its bearings were getting damaged. Rescuers have delivered food, water, oxygen, and medical supplies via large pipes. Oh, okay, so they've been feeding them and shit. Okay, so there is, 
the possibility that they're going to get out. All right, so I would assume they're still alive. They send in radios so the men can communicate with people outside. Authorities say the men are safe, but some reported feeling sick with fevers and body aches. Uh, Authorities say they have not found the main cause of the collapse. The region is prone to landslides, floods, and earthquakes. The tunnel is in an area that environmentalists say has become more fragile amid the climate crisis and glacial melting. Experts have criticized the government for moving forward with the project despite the concerns. That's a fucking hell of a tunnel. So that's something we're going to be keeping an eye on this week. Hopefully, maybe we get a Thanksgiving miracle. They're able to... They don't celebrate things. I know this. I learned this last year. Don't celebrate Thanksgiving over in Europe. It's an American holiday. (laughs) I clipped it and put it on TikTok. I like showing off my... My idiocy. <laughs> I think they have it in Canada, though. But hell, I don't fucking know. They got like Pudding Day in Canada. All right. <laughs> you want some wild footage? <laughs> I've not seen it. I'm not a pre watch Andy. But I'm just assuming by the headline, this is going to be a fucking wild piece of video. I'm going to let you see this headline here. Ship split into two. Ship split into two. This is a storm off of Turkey. Evet, liman içindeki dalgayla yük gemisi ortadan ayrıldı, kırıldı. Dalgayla kalkıyor ortası bakın. Oh, it's in the middle. Buraya bak gel. Evet, Karadeniz yereyle liman içinde dalga kıranlara rağmen oluşan şiddetli oh, wow. geminin ortadan kayrılması. Why was I thinking it was good? Get split in half like a cartoon. <laughs> of course it's... <laughs> I'm so dumb. Of course it's just like... In the middle of the long ways. I don't even know how to describe... I played I play Final Fantasy 16 and one of the characters like... Takes his sword and... Sends a, sends a big bolt and it like parts the sea and shit. That's that's what I was thinking was going to have. Big bolt go down the middle of the ship. It just like split in two. Fall on each side. It's bound, it's, it's bound to fill with water, right? 
I assume there's not much of a crew. There's only like three or four of them, right? That's a giant cargo ship of some sorts. So hopefully they had some kind of a dinghy. They got out of there. Nobody was hurt. Look at that. the coast of Turkey splits a boat in two. Speaking of ships, the Houthis in Yemen say they have seized an Israeli ship. Yemenis Houthis say they have seized an Israeli ship. Ship tracking data from Refinitiv Icon on Sunday showed the location of a cargo vessel, Galaxy Leader, in the Red Sea after the ship was seized a day earlier by Iranian-backed militants in Yemen. Yemen's Houthi faction on Sunday said they'd captured what they said was an Israeli ship and taken... Now listen, I condemn the Houthis. He condemn. But Houthi is a fun word to say. Why is it? Why is it got to be the uh, hummus that we're fucking with right now? I'd rather say Houthi every night. Houthi. It's a fun fucking word. Can it to a Yemeni port? A statement from the group said, "Quote: We are treating the ship's crew in accordance with Islamic principles and values." But Israel said earlier the Iran-aligned group had seized a British-owned and Japanese-operated cargo ship with no Israeli owners or crew. The Houthis, an ally of Tehran, have been launching long-range missile and drone salvos at Israel in solidarity. Is this racist of me to be like, and I'm sorry my promo came up as I was getting ready to point this out. Hold on, hold on. Does he have a tennis ball in his mouth? This dude as well. I assume maybe it's some sort of tobacco they're chewing. Some sort of leaf they're chewing on. Like a like 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 a tobacco, but it's green. Cut. It looks like a tennis ball. Cut is a flowering evergreen shrub that is abused for its stimulant like effect. Oh, oh, is it pronounced quat? Plant native to eastern and southern Africa. Was at Israel in solidarity with the Palestinian Hamas militants Israel has been battling in the Gaza Strip since October 7. Last week, the Houthi leader Abdul Malik al Houthi said his group was also targeting Israeli vessels. Israel claims its Arrow missile defense system, seen here in footage released by the Israeli military, had shot down missiles flying over the Red Sea. Asked about the seizure of the Galaxy leader, a U.S. defense official said, quote, We're aware of the situation and are closely monitoring it. The League is one of those shows that I've always wanted to watch because every fucking... 
I think I've even downloaded it. I've just never gotten around to it. Because, like, every promo I've seen for it has made me die laughing. So, no, I'm not, I'm not aware of the reference. So maybe because you say that, I, I guess it does seem like a show I would watch. Israeli helicopter opened fire on Israel. anybody watch the curse yet that's the, i do not know what to think and my my friend my friend asked me like well what'd you think about it and i'm like i don't know <laughs> it's a mind fuck <laughs> And I've like every 10, 15 minutes, it's a new shocker, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I think about it yet. No, it's the new Nathan Fielder show. It's, it's Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone. Is that her name? But it's not, it's so much like other Nathan Fielder stuff, but it's not like, I think it's entirely scripted. Like, usually Nathan Fielder is kind of like, you know, Ollie G, and, like, the people aren't in on the joke. But I'm pretty sure everyone's an actor on that show. So like, I don't see, and they're, like, acting in this awkward way. <laughs> As if they're not in on the joke. And a lot of the cameras try to be, like, hidden camera kind of the same shit Nathan does. The dude that did Nathan for you on on Comedy Central, which I think is one of the most brilliant fucking shows ever. And then he did the rehearsal, and that's a mind fuck. But still, I think there's an element of unscriptedness to that. Though I think it's far more scripted than Nathan for you. But nobody, nobody's watched it yet, and like, without without any kind of spoiler. I don't exactly know what the curse... Because the curse could refer to numerous different things that are going on in the show. So I'm not exactly sure what the curse refers to. Because it's like... There's like five, six different curses so far. <laughs> I... It's... I can't describe it. It's 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 getting to... We're in a weird point in television, right? Where shit that's so different really sticks out. And this is this is some kind of avant-garde television shit. I love it, though. I love it. Because I was a big fan of the Ollie G show. Of course, a lot of people are letting uh, Sasha Baron Cohen have it. Because he's, like, apparently a Zionist. I I wouldn't have thought that. People were like he made he made a living making fun of Muslims and he kind of did, but he also he made fun of Jews as well. But he's out here talking about how like TikTok is fostering Nazis, and there are videos of mine that are on about Hamas that are on Facebook and YouTube. That TikTok took down. 
So I haven't seen it personally. That's just a anecdotal uh, thing. Fuck Amy Schumer, uh, Sarah Silverman. I'd hope she had a phone call with Sam and got her ass straightened out because they're friends. The Zionists are trying to use Judaism as a cover. And, like, they they really lean in into the Holocaust and and anti-Semitic shit and, like... But you can also go. And I, I, I watched because like it was like one of the clips people were sharing out about Sasha Baron Cohen, and it was uh, I think it was from the show. I think it was from Ollie G show. It might have been from the first Bo Rat movie. I know I say it wrong, but, but like he's dressed up as a as a like a, a cowboy, and he's at like some country western bar and. Texas or Arizona or some shit, New Mexico. And he's singing this song about like, throw the Jew down the well. And it's hilarious. <laughs> and he gets all the people to fucking sing along. Like, Oh my God. I love the work that motherfucker does. I'm such a big fan. Goldfish. Good evening. I had to get sidetracked about Gaza and Israel right now and go on a whole rant about apparently Ollie G's a Zionist. And that kind of sucks. I I don't want to hate him. And like, I feel like in Borat, he goes really far. It's from the show. I need to go back and watch the show. It's been years since I watched it. Love the dude. That's another one of those shows that I discovered in that 2002-2003. Yeah, it does kind of make his movies hit a lot different. Because, I mean, the critique is kind of valid. He's... He's a... Islamic stereotype. That's, you know, backwards... It's it is kind of racist. Also, like that he got called out because Ollie G. That's a that's a Wigger character. Was it Kazakhstan? <laughs> this is a real fucking country. It's a uh, former Soviet satellite country. Probably why he picked it strategically. Being a Russian satellite country, it's kind of it's not as much Middle Eastern to be able to you know claim Islamophobia and shit. It's still a, a former communist country. So this next story, I like. I pride myself on being very cautious 
That's one of the reasons why I don't want to talk too much about Israel and Gaza, because it's hard to know what's going on. It's another reason why I don't focus more on China. It's hard to know what's really going on. Propaganda is thick. We're going to read from the Middle East Monitor, but this came from a Jewish newspaper. Israeli helicopter opened fire on Israelis in festival during the Hamas attack on October 7th. And let me tell you, I condemn that. He condemned. A new report revealed on Saturday that an Israeli military helicopter opened fire on Palestinian gunmen but wounded Israelis participating in a festival during an October 7th attack by Hamas against Israel. The Haaretz Newspaper said an Israeli security assessment was based on an investigation by police with Hamas gunmen who were arrested on October 7th. Haritz reported that the military helicopter arrived at the site of the festival and opened fire on the gunmen, but also wounded several festival participants. It said, according to the assessment, the gunmen had no prior information about the festival, which was held close to the kibbutz Riam near the border with Gaza. Israel's uh, Yedioth Eroth newspaper also published a report on Israeli Air Force helicopters intervening in the attack carried out by Hamas from Gaza on October 7th. The newspaper reported that the Israeli forces found it difficult to identify Hamas militants, adding that the helicopter pilots used artillery against civilians at the festival. The Hamas terrorists were instructed to slowly blend in with the crowd and not to move under any circumstances, the newspaper said in its report. In this way, they tried to fool the Air Force into believing that those below were Israelis. Deception worked for a while until the the Apache helicopters had to break free of all restraints. The pilots found it difficult to distinguish who was a terrorist and who was an Israeli. Okay, they don't have the video. Let me go get you the video, because it exists. I mean, as if we're going to be able to see anything, because it's like in, I don't want to say it's night vision, but it's like radar mode. that is footage of an Israeli Apache helicopter firing on concert goers. Once again, I'm, I'm caveat that it's hard to tell what exactly is going on. There's a lot of misinformation floating around on the internet out there about this issue. Newspaper said that when they realized that some of them decided to use artillery shells against the terrorists independently without getting permission from their superiors, Police estimated that the number killed in the festival was 364, but did not reveal their identities. The investigation details are contrary to the official Israeli narrative on the attack by the Palestinian resistance group, which claimed Hamas 
gunmen slaughtered the revelers in the festival. Hundreds of Hamas fighters crossed into Israel in a surprise operation, Al-Aqsa Flood, triggering an Israeli retaliatory bloody onslaught on the Gaza Strip. Israel has killed more than 12,300 Palestinians, 40-50% or children, in its air and ground attacks on the Gaza Strip since the surprise offense by Hamas. The official Israeli death toll, meanwhile, stands at about 1,200 which apparently a few hundred of those were killed by the Israeli military. Probably a few hostages you can add in there too that have been killed by the Israeli military. Now, I will point out that the Israeli government has denied this, but I will also point out again that the Israeli government has lied and lied and lied. And as soon as we get a concrete answer on the Al-Shifa hospital, I have still yet to see it like reputable sources seem to be saying like, no, we cannot confirm this was a Hamas, uh, what a command center is what they're calling it. But there are multiple bad actors out there sharing out video like, yes, this confirms it's a mosque command center. So I am still leaning on the side of Israel is lying about that. But I'm open to like fucking Hamas is a terrorist group. Fuck them. He can do. And especially fuck their their actual leaders. Or billionaires and millionaires sitting in Qatar. Probably probably well financed by the Israeli government. Another reason why the uh, rich people have to be neutered. They, fu- they fund fucking terrorists. I'm going to show you a time-lapse video. It's a minute's worth of video, but it's 48 hours in time frame. This is what Gaza looked like over 48 hours. It's November 15th. Still seeing explosions in the background. Wow. Picked up in the afternoon. Now on November 17th. So I assume the four-hour pause is of a morning. That's why we saw the bombardment cease for a few hours and then pick back up.
We're still. Oh, by the way, we're still on the on on watch for the volcano to explode in Iceland. That's still that's still a thing that's probably going to happen here shortly. U.S. Uh, State Department. No, this is a White House deputy White House National Security Advisor John Finer was on Face the Nation. Says we are close, close to brokering a deal between Hamas and Israel. Now to the Deputy National Security Advisor, John Finer. Good morning. Good morning, Margaret. I know hostages... Nothing could be finer. ...extremely delicate. We've been close to a big breakthrough before and then fallen apart. But this morning, Qatar's Prime Minister says we are close enough to reach a deal and the differences are just logistical at this point. Does the U.S. share that assessment? What I can say at, at this point is we share the assessment that many areas of, of difference uh, that previ previously existed have been narrowed, uh, that we believe we are closer than we have been uh, to reaching a final agreement, but that on an issue as sensitive as this and as challenging as this, uh, the mantra that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed really does uh, apply, and we do not yet have an agreement in place. And so until that is the case, you know, we're not going to lay out all the details uh, in public. So Israel... Yes, they've been attacking the West Bank. ...recently that uh, they had intelligence indicating that there were hostages... Hamas doesn't even operate in the West Bank. ...none were found. There were two bodies found nearby. Um, did the U.S. share the assessment that hostages were being held at, at the hospital? Because there was a release suggesting... They have indeed been bulldozing up the roads in the Gaza Strip. They are leveling it. You can also go and see, but like these are... These are just people on, on social media, but you can see them celebrating like, oh, we're going to have Gaza for, you know, uh, tropical resorts. But those are just shit posters online, too, and they're not really representative of, of real people. In that, uh, from declassified intelligence the U.S. shared, was the U.S. assessment wrong? So what I am uh, going to tell you is what we have put out in terms of uh, intelligence uh, that we have been able to share and that we've been able to downgrade on Al-Shifa. And look, this is a, a microcosm of the challenges associated with this entire uh, conflict, because this is obviously a, a hospital where there are patients who are being treated, the most advanced hospital in Gaza, also a place where uh, innocent civilians have gathered. Get with it. In the course of this conflict and all of those uh, innocent lives are, are, are sacred. Are you uh, dodging? Equal in value to, to lives anywhere. Uh, that are innocent. Uh, we have also said and been quite clear that we have intelligence information, not just Israeli uh, intelligence, but American intelligence, that Hamas has used this facility uh, to build terrorist infrastructure, uh, to do command and control for combat operations. Uh, and we've been quite clear about that, but we have also said that none of that uh, authorizes, in our view, uh, direct uh, military strikes uh, from the air or on the ground uh, against that hospital. So that is the complicated knot uh, that the Israeli defense These hospitals have been used. As multiple people pointed out, Israel built the tunnels. Israel built the tunnels before Hamas was a thing. So that's how they know there's tunnels down there. Used to hold hostages. That's why I was asking you, since none were found there, if the U.S. actually thought 
there would be hostages there. Um, there has been no One thing I'd say about that, Margaret, yeah. is, is that facility is still being uh, exploited by the Israeli Defense Forces. I expect you'll see more information uh, in the coming days. I think we feel confident in the information uh, that we've put out, and, and, and let's see uh, what their investigation uh, reveals and where it leads. Israel's prime minister was on this network this week and told my colleague Nora O'Donnell uh, that they are trying to cause minimal civilian casualties, uh. but quote, unfortunately, we're not successful. Given that acknowledgement by Israel, I wonder um, if the administration is applying the Leahy Act here that would allow for the United States to restrict some military equipment based on human rights uh, basis. Is Israel exempt from that, given what's happened and what Israel is acknowledging? Do you need to change that? Uh, no countries are obviously exempt from laws of armed conflict or from uh, U.S. statutory restrictions, but beyond that, I'm uh, not going to say more. What I will say, though, is is uh, we have been quite clear that Israel has every right uh, to defend itself against the threat that it faces. Uh, that includes, uh, by the way, the right to go after Hamas leadership, who they say now have, have fled uh, to uh, the southern part of Gaza and have uh, sought refuge there. Uh, so in, if oh, so now we've got a reason to go down and level the southern part of Gaza where we're telling all the Palestinians to go after we fucking destroyed all their homes and their cities that they can't go back to. Now we got to go down to the south and we got to kill everybody there, too. In the in the event that we uh, believe that Israel is likely to to. Uh, embark on combat operations, including in the South. Uh, we believe both that they have the right to do that, but that there is a real concern uh, because hundreds of thousands of residents of Gaza uh, have fled now from the North to the South at Israel's uh, request. Uh, and we think that their operations should not go forward until uh, those uh, 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 people, those additional civilians, uh, have been accounted for in their in their military planning. And so we will be uh, conveying that directly to them and have been conveying that directly to them. They should draw lessons uh, from how the operation proceeded uh, in the north, uh, including lessons that lead uh, to greater uh, and enhanced protections uh, for civilian life, things like narrowing uh, the area of, of active combat, clarifying where civilians can seek refuge uh, from the fighting. Uh, but I'll also reiterate uh, that Hamas takes no such uh, precautions. In fact, openly and wantonly uh, flouts and, and almost brags uh, about its desire to perpetrate uh, war crimes. And so uh, this is an adversary uh, that does not hold itself to the standard that, that we and others uh, believe is essential. Understood. Hamas is extremely brutal. I want to quickly ask you about President Biden's uh, op-ed that he published. Uh, in Israel's the extremely brutal. He said the U.S. is prepared to issue. I condemn Hamas. Extremists. He was referring to Israeli settlers moving into the West Bank. Does that threat have teeth, given that there are estimates that American citizens make up as much as 15 percent of the settler population? Look, the, the president has been extremely clear, I think, far beyond uh, even what many of his predecessors said about our concerns uh, about developments on the West Bank. And in particular, Actually, they brought this up. About violence uh, perpetrated against innocent uh, Palestinians by extreme settlers. He said that uh, in public speeches. He said that in an op-ed uh, that he has published uh, just this weekend. Uh, and as he indicated, and as we are now moving uh, to operationalize, that could include uh, consequences that the U.S. would impose on people associated with violence against innocents uh, in the West Bank, including uh, a ban on them being able to travel uh, to the United States on, on visas. And, and we are um, uh, moving in that direction, and, and we'll have more to say about that, I'm sure, in the coming days. Understood. John Feiner. Thank you very much for your time. I'm, I'm actually amazed that was brought up. That was my very next story, which apparently the Biden administration wanted. They're trying to do damage control.
perhaps. Biden orders top aides to prepare reprimands for violent Israeli settlers in the West Bank. The directive seeks options for expeditious action against those responsible for violence, according to a memo read to Politico. The cabinet memo sent to senior aides like Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Friday orders their agencies to develop policy options for expeditious action against those responsible for the conduct of violence in the West Bank. A senior U.S. official read sections of the memo to Politico on Saturday, shortly after Biden published an op-ed in the Washington Post, revealing his intentions for such a move. The directive comes as the Biden administration aims to show that it's supporting Palestinian civilians in need, even as it staunchly defends Israel's retaliation against Hamas, and while members of the president's party seek conditions on military aid to Washington's ally. Yeah, it feels performative. Um... Sanctions, maybe. Uh, cutting off bank accounts. That's what, that's why the, tre- the Secretary of Treasury would be brought in. The targets for reprimands are broadly defined in the memo. They include people or entities that have directly or indirectly engaged in actions or policies that threaten the security or stability of the West Bank. Take actions that intimidate civilians in the West Bank for the purpose or effect of forcing displacement actions in the West Bank. Or make moves that constitute human rights abuses or violations and actions that significantly obstruct, disrupt, or prevent efforts to achieve a two-state solution. Is this... I haven't heard them say two-state solution. Tones, good evening. Yeah, they aren't going to sanction Israel. Maybe companies that do business... Memo notes that Biden sees the settler violence issue as a serious threat to peace among Israelis and Palestinians and destabilizing throughout the Middle East. The decision to issue the directive came after intense debate on the topic with National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Deputy John Finer offering their direct input during a dedicated internal process. Israeli settlers have been moving into the West Bank for years and incidents of violence were already growing after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu returned to power nearly a year ago. But the intensity of the long-running issue has grown since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. I condemn. He condemned. Yesh Din, an Israeli rights group, reported that 197 Palestinians in the West Bank have been killed by settlers or Israeli forces since October 7th. United Nations reports that in the same time frame, at least 121 Palestinian households, about uh, 1,150 people, including 450 children, have been displaced by settler violence and access restrictions. The daily incidents of settler violence rose from three days or three a day earlier this year to seven since the attacks. About 11 Palestinian communities have been completely abandoned in 2023 alone. Six of them since the attacks on October 7th. They said they just said to state that was in a that was an official statement. I'm I, I was amazed to hear to state cuz like I feel like we're beyond a two state solution at this point. Like the best we can hope for is a democratic and free Israel where Palestinians have complete and total rights.
new constitution, a new government. They want they want Netanyahu out. The Palestinian Authority is the West Bank. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Palestinian Authority had control over the West Bank. That's that's I think that's been Israel's plan all along. If they intertwine Israelis all over the fucking land, there's no way to have a two-state solution. There can only be a one-state solution. I, you know, I've always been on the side of a two-state solution. But, like, it just seems like we're well past that now. The time may have passed. Yeah, and it it, it may have passed 20 years ago. Jimmy Carter might have... Just bringing it back to the beginning of the show. Jimmy Carter might have been the best hope for a two-state solution. Yeah, Venus, you you bring up a very good point. Integrating the Palestinians as a minority into the society is going to be a difficult move. Israel is going to have to be forced to do it. Or I... Somebody has to force Israel off the land. (laughs) And go back to... Is it... uh, 67? Is that the... That the lines... I don't remember what the year is. And even that is Palestinians conceding to Jewish people. But also I'm not a I'm not a foreign affairs guy. I feel I feel the need if we're doing a comprehensive news show, I feel the need to cover it. And hopefully I can learn while we're while we're doing this little shindig here. Yep, 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 Richard. I Is there a way to go back to the 67 lines? Is it even possible you would have to force Israelis off their like some some are now, you know, children that have grown up there. And I'm sure they feel like oh, I didn't do any of this. So like I, a one state solution just seems to be the only way. But then somebody has to a a United Nations, a United States has to force Israel to not be an ethno state to grant those rights to the citizens and there needs to be some sort of reparations made to to the Palestinians but that's never going to happen you see like the only reparations we can get around here is like governments giving reparations to slave owners when they lost their slaves it's absurd if you don't know what I'm talking about Britain Britain was still paying slave-owning families up until the 2010s. 
reparations for losing their slaves. It's maddening the world that we live in. They really, they would have been uh, the majority. Wow. That's another reason why Israel is motivated to kick them out. There should be a right to return. Imagine Israel being against our right to return. Like, you can't tell me that's not a, a racist fucking supremacist fucking shit. The whole thing blows my mind. You know, maybe, maybe some of those right-wingers were right about the Jewish question. Maybe, maybe Osama bin Laden was right about the Jewish question. No, I'm, I, no, I'm not, I'm not changing my mind. He condemned. I condemn all these fucks, but we gotta talk about it. The controversy over TikTok and Osama bin Laden's letter to America explained. Cancel Justin indeed. Why bin Laden's 2002 letter became the latest TikTok moral panic. We're reading from Vox, so I didn't I didn't look at it beforehand, but I'm assuming it's a it's a pretty well written uh, article. Then we're gonna watch Fox News. This week, videos featuring former Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden's 2002 missive letter to America were posted on TikTok, leading a wide... And this is what caused Sasha Baron Cohen to say that TikTok was creating Nazis or whatever he said. Leading to a, uh, leading a wide swath of politicians, families of 9-11 victims, and influencers to condemn users creating the clips and the app itself. This story goes like this. TikTokers are going viral for sharing Bin Laden's arguments, and that is renewing calls to ban the app and feeding a recent fear that TikTok is indoctrinating Gen Z with pro-Hamas propaganda. The issue is that story's not fully true. While some TikTokers were really posting uh, videos urging others to read the letter and getting modest views, these videos only made up a tiny uh, corner of TikTok. I would assume that's true. This is according to Jason Kobler, one of the earlier reporters to dig into the videos. The controversy over the videos is a reminder that often a moral panic stems from a kernel of truth, one that is removed from its original context and coded in uh, uh, hyperbole. The panic over the letter is just the latest in a long line of these sorts of social media-driven scares about the dangers of the internet which tended to create a false sense of frenzy. Did any children at all film themselves eating Tide Pods for views? Sure. Exa I use this as an example all the time. Uh, was, the, was it a widely popular trend among Gen Z teens back in the day? No. The same goes for last year's panic about kids baking NyQuil and chicken in order to go viral on TikTok. I point, and it's not just Gen Z like fucking we got in on the Tide Pods thing. You, we made memes about it and shit. A couple of them made Tide Pods. 
And then we started making memes about, like, stupid people eating Tide Pods. And then all the boomers were like, oh, the kids are eating Tide Pods. What makes this TikTok panic especially potent, however, is a mix of factors. There's bipartisan support among U.S. politicians to restrict or ban TikTok as a national security risk. Now, look. I brought it up on this show all the time. The problem is not TikTok. I don't give a shit about TikTok. The problem is our data and what fucking companies can do with it. We need a bill of rights about our digital footprint and what we fucking own. When you when you buy a fucking TV, it shouldn't be auto set to collect data through a fucking microphone. And through your fucking viewing habits and send that to a company where they sell your data. It's bullshit. If, if companies want that data, I should be paid for it. Because fucking Lord knows they make enough money off of it. There should be some sort of an opt-in system where I agree and I am given something for my data. This is an issue I am incredibly passionate about. I fucking love the internet. I hate what it's become under a capitalist society. And I would like to make some real changes to it and try to get it back to where it's it's more of a, a, a level playing field where the cream really does rise to the top. Instead of fucking YouTube controlling what kind of content makes people fucking famous. Kind of personal for me as well as somebody in the media business. Uh, fuck, housing should be widely available. If there's not enough housing in a fucking area, the government should come in, build the fucking housing, and it shouldn't be like Section 8. There should be no fucking... There should be no um, restrictions or anything. It should just be housing I can go and pay for. It's a, it's a reasonable price. And there's plenty of it. No frills. It'll, and it'll keep all the rest of the people in the market honest. I'm not a full-on commie. I get called a commie all the time. I'm for a very regimented economy. I'm for capitalism in some parts of it. I'm for uh, uh, worker co-ops. Things like factories work far better as worker co-ops. Me! I'm a, like, and fucking Rob Nower got on to me when I had that debate with him. Because uh, when he was like, well, what what section should be capitalist? And I'm like, well, things like I do. And he's like, oh, well, you get to be capitalist, but everybody else. But no, it's because I fucking make advertising for people. I, like, I really, like, I'm my, I, I don't matter. I'm not providing food or housing or, or uh, commodities people need to people. What I do is strictly fucking bullshit and probably should be uh, some sort of competition. I'm so, I got completely off topic. I'm on a hell of a tangent. Meanwhile, Bin Laden is a figure that elicits strong emotions, especially in the West. You want a commie block? I Certain things should be like... 
what does communism mean? What does socialism mean? They're kind of nebulous terms. I always put it that communism is is a government uh, controlled means of production. Socialist would be like a worker owned means of production. But some people would even call that communist. I'm definitely very pro labor union. And I've said it many times. I'm not a leftist because I'm in some sort of camp. I'm a leftist because that's the policy the policy prescription for what the fuck is wrong with this country. We've had too much trickle-down economics. We've had too much deregulation of the market. Meanwhile, Bin Laden is a figure that elicits strong emotions, especially in the West. Uh, for his role in the 9-11 terror attacks and the shadow, uh, the resultant war on terror cast on American life. One of the things the letter touches on and one of the things the videos focused on is Israel's ongoing occupation of Palestinian territories. The letter cites Israeli actions towards Palestinians and the U.S. allyship with Israel as justification for Al-Qaeda's attacks on the U.S. In the wake of Hamas's assault on Israel and the Israeli uh, Israel's war on Hamas, those con- you can't have a war when only one side has an army. Those comments appear to have taken on a new potency for some on TikTok. As NBC News reports, many who've discussed the letter have not said that they support Bin Laden's actions and his perpetration of the September 11th attacks, but note that it has made them, uh, them view the U.S.'s foreign policy in the Middle East more critically. Which is a perfectly reasonable response. It seems likely that statements, tweets, and articles expressing outrage about TikTok personalities praising the letter went more viral than any of the videos in question. The right-wing outrage machine went viral. Streamers, I'm sure like Tim Pool's been all over this, hasn't he? Tim Pool's made three videos about it. If not more. Just out of curiosity. This isn't his clips channel. I want 10. Why does he have so many goddamn channels? Is this the clips one? Shut up. TikTok communists begin meal prep. TikTok left praises Osama bin Laden. So maybe he just did one. I'm kind of surprised. As with many stories about viral trends, the original source of interest in the bin Laden letter is unclear. The Washington Post noted that a small account on TikTok had posted one of the earlier videos on Monday, though its reporters write that uh, Google search interest in the massive, in the missive, I'm sorry, not massive, missive, had been growing for days before videos about bin Laden's letter began to circulate on social media. 
According to the post, TikTok videos with the hashtag Letter to America had been viewed about 2 million times as of Wednesday evening, a number the publication described as a relatively low figure. 2 million times. One of my clients gets 2 million views easily on several of their videos that they post a day. But let's get a taste of that right-wing outrage over it, shall we? I'm fiending for it. You know, you know, I gotta, I, I gotta do some bullshit on this show. Go to Fox News. When the Guardian republished Osama bin Laden's 21-year-old letter, to- I forget what this fuck's name even is. So, like, that's why I didn't introduce him. I'm sorry. To America, it went viral on TikTok with many young people embracing the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. I'm not about to sit here and act like he's just the worst person in the world when America has literally been terrorizing people since the beginning of history. The Guardian has since taken down the letters. This is not exactly right, ma'am. Um, America wasn't around at the beginning. America is a relatively young country, to be honest with you. Certainly wasn't around at the beginning of history, but all that aside, I like where your heart is. Let it radicalize you. Though it's still accessible, and TikTok is deleting the videos. Joining us now from New York, Griff Jenkins, the Fox News anchor and correspondent. Griff, I find it mind-boggling and profoundly depressing that there could be sympathy and support among TikTokers for the man who killed nearly 3,000 Americans with hijacked airplanes. That's exactly right, Howie. And, you know, I printed out the letter, all 12 pages of it, and tried to read it through the eyes of these young people and understand how the repulsive rantings of the world's worst terrorists just in a diatribe against America, they could end up at the conclusion that somehow 9-11 was justified and that America is this evil. Yeah, that poor girl, she's just thinking out Chicago hottie. She's just thinking out loud. Might even be stoned. This is the kind of shit you you sit around and talk with your friends and you hash it out and you realize how stupid you are. She's just like sharing it to the world. Fox News picks it up for their fucking propaganda. This poor girl's going to have her life ruined because Fox News featured one fucking TikTok from a dumb teenager. Holy shit. This is, this is what the world has come to evil Satan that bin Laden wanted you to be. But all I could arrive at is feeling such pain, uh, imagining the pain that the families of the 2,977 innocent Americans' lives were taken on that day. It's boggling and troubling. Well, could that support for Osama bin Laden, even among the uh, spectacularly ill-informed, and I think a lot of young people just don't know the history of, especially in this war, Israel was attacked, of course. Um, be related to this paragraph where uh, bin Laden said, uh, of thousands of soldiers against us and have formed an alliance with the Israelis to oppress us and occupy our land, our land. Here's the concern, Howie. I think when you look at this, at worst case scenario, China is incredibly succeeding in disillusioning the next generation of America's leaders to not only hate their own country, but also to buy into this occupation Israeli narrative. 
That's what I was woeing about, him saying, like, they don't know the history of, of this war. Like, you're completely leaving out all the history that happened before October 7th, motherfucker. At best case scenario, you have a case of a lot of misled youths who think they've become these internet Indiana Jones sleuths <laughs> that somehow discovered some forbidden knowledge that America was always evil from the beginning and they just need to be educated. Here's the real troubling thing. Pew Research says that 32% of young people... Well, see, I hate that. I So he say like America was evil from the beginning. No, no, America wasn't evil from the beginning. You can't, one, it's not a monolith. It's a bunch of fucking people and all governments do bad things and all governments grow and Jesus fucking Christ, what a, fuck it, fuck it. We aren't even gonna watch the rest of it. It's just a group of people. There's no, there's no like, I don't believe in evil. There is no, this is a famous quote. I'm quoting somebody else and I can't even, I don't even remember who the quote is. There is no such thing as good behavior or bad behavior. There's just human behavior. And it's true. It is not like there have been uh, amazing people in the history of the country. There have been fucking horrendous people in the history of the country. Justin's a colonizer. And most people, and this is the one, like, it's it's hard for me to even, even come to grips with this, right? For people that I like, but, like, most people are a mixed bag. You're not going to agree with everything every single person says. You're not, you're like, that's why, like, you know, producer Dave tells you, you know, don't have heroes, because you will eventually get disappointed. Unless it's George Carlin. I don't, I don't think George Carlin was ever wrong about anything. It was weird watching his, uh, his documentary and, you know, like knowing that there was a point in time when George Carlin was like a washed up comedian and that he was the butt of the joke on SNL and that he like, he took it personally and went and reinvented himself and came back as like the George Carlin we know today. Also probably like. He and, uh, I forget his wife, said Brenda. They probably were toxic together in their younger years, doing a lot of drugs and shit. John Lennon out here singing about Imagine while he goes home and beats his fucking wife. Imagine in heaven. I don't even know where I was going with that. I don't like the idea that, you know, America was evil. There's no such thing as evil. America has been uh, a force for good in the world a couple different times. It has done a lot of fucking horrendous shit. But you can say, like, pretty much... I And Nathan, like... That, Old George Carlin is a great starting point for people because, like, all the wordplay and shit, I fucking love it. But you could you could say almost all countries in the world were imperialist. Uh, how'd you put it? Expansionist states, or have at one time been a colony of Britain, Spain, France, Portugal. Here's the thing. Okay, the 
the video of Chuck Berry and Yoko and John, like the internet makes a like they've taken a a, a, a a picture of Chuck Berry and he's just being expressive and they're made like this is the exact moment when Yoko starts singing. I had to go watch that video. I had to go find the original. To watch it for myself. Is that true? It's not really. Chuck like you can't tell me they didn't sound check and Chuck Berry knew she was gonna sing. Richard, it's kind of dark. It was like one of the last times I watched it. I was like, wow. It's like it was after his death. And I was like, wow, this is kind of dark. He wasn't his... Um, he was sort of an optimist through most of his comedy. And like by the time you get to... It's like 2007, 2008. It's got the old fart bit. But he's kind of uh, he's kind of cranky by then. And it feels like he's he's giving up on people. I highly recommend. Is it uh, George Carlin's American Dream? And it was produced by his daughter. Like it's really fucking good. It's like a two. It's like a two part HBO documentary. Highly recommend it. I learned a lot of shit that I didn't even know about him. Well, he, like, he even mentions that, right? He's like, you know, I'm like a spectator and I like to watch the, the car crash happen. But, like, I feel like there wasn't, and I, and I may be quoting the, the documentary, the HBO documentary from, like, a couple years ago, maybe a year ago. Like, I, I, like, I want to say, like, he, like, his daughter even mentioned, like, there was, like, a, an optimism that, you know, people would overcome this. And he kind of got a little dark by the end. I mean, I'm here for it, yes. I laughed my ass off at it. The gal I've been talking to told me about her love for George Carlin the other day. I was like, ooh. Another point towards you, ma'am. He's popped in here a time or two and said some uh, said some wild shit to me. <laughs> you live in sexual anarchy. All right, back to the serious shit. I like I haven't really wanted to talk about the serious shit. That's that's why I keep stalling. But we gotta get through this. I got some bullshit things. Yeah. Yeah, we got some we got some shit to poke fun at as well. You want that news be do but like you you're not gonna like this. This is gonna piss you off. Because um, some neo Nazis stormed I guess stormed is not the right word. Marched on the state capitol in Wisconsin over the weekend. Another big story this weekend outrage at the Wisconsin State Capitol over a neo Nazi group marching in Madison. Video shows the group carrying flags with swastikas. We've blurred those images and muted the video as well. 12 News reporter Emily Pofall spoke with Jewish leaders who are condemning the hate this morning. Milwaukee Rabbi Levi Stein standing up to hate Saturday night. There are people that are 
afraid to walk to school. There are people that are afraid to walk home. And it really has a significant impact on people all over the state. After a neo-Nazi group wearing masks and shirts that say Blood Tribe marched outside the Wisconsin Capitol. The Madison Police Department says around 20 people carrying swastika flags walked up State Street to the Capitol building Saturday. But we should remember this happened in the city of Madison and in the city of Madison. Yes, the city of Madison, which is the college town, is where, you know, Madison University. I want to know, what do you guys think? How much of this is sincere belief? How much of it is shit, shit, like, shit posting, shit talking? You do it for, you do it to get a rise out of people. Not discounting the danger they pose to society, but I just like, I, I can't wrap my head around having that kind of ideology. You think it's AstroTurf? Do you think... You think they're true believers? I do wouldn't doubt that there's some dark money funneling to them from somewhere. And we know in Wisconsin, there's a lot of far-right organizations who may actually share beliefs or... Oh, yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Richard said there's some feds in there. I, what do you mean by feds? This is like the this is like the uh, earlier conversation. Is there a dude that was genuinely a part of the group and has been flipped and is working as an informant? You would think a group like this couldn't go without being infiltrated. Because they absolutely infiltrate left-wing groups, but that's another thing. They infiltrate left-wing groups. I just, I always wonder the motivation for people like this. I, cause like, I don't want to land on the side of what's like, it's, it's like a shit posting thing. Cause I can't fathom having those sort of, those sort of beliefs. That worldview just boggles my mind. Walked up State Street to the Capitol building Saturday. But we should remember this happened in the city of Madison in in the people's capital and i would hope that our leaders would speak very clearly about it being unacceptable among those quick to react governor tony evers in a statement saying neo-nazis anti-semitism and white supremacy have no home in wisconsin we will not accept or normalize this rhetoric and hate and senator tammy baldwin saying at a time when we're seeing disturbing spikes in anti-Semitism, it's more important than ever to denounce this hate in no uncertain terms. Police did not see any weapons, but Jewish community leaders say the message itself is frightening. We've had teen mental health support groups just supporting kids who were impacted by hate just these last few weeks. Community leaders calling on everyone to speak out. The thing that should be frightening to all good, decent kind, loving people in the state of Wisconsin is the unabashed boldness, the sense of empowerment. Our response to darkness is light, and we're going to continue fighting hate with love. That was Emily Pofall reporting. UW-Madison's chancellor calls this utterly repugnant. 
Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley also says anti-Semitism has no place in Wisconsin. The Jewish Community Relations Council and Milwaukee Jewish Federation say that anyone who encounters hate groups like this should ignore them and not amplify their messages. I like him. He's a good anchor. You're going places, kid. I don't know if he's a kid or not. Probably my age. Just looks a lot better than I do. That's just as soon as they come for whatever group they say they're coming for, they're going to come for you next. I don't know what motivated this, but it could be far-right ideology. We have the content warning for it. We go to New Hampshire. Shooting occurred inside of a hospital. Saw a picture of the dude, so yeah, I wonder. Today we're learning more about the fatal shooting at a New Hampshire hospital where a security guard lost his life, helping to stop an armed gunman from entering the building. CBS's Christian Benavides has the... Oh my God, did a cop do a good thing? The 33-year-old... He did a good thing by doing his job, and then he did a good thing by being a dead cop. Investigation. The 33-year-old gunman who walked into this psychiatric hospital in Concord... I'm horrible. Cancel, Justin. Kill ...was armed with a 9mm pistol and additional ammunition on hand. He entered the lobby, first encountering 63-year-old security officer Bradley Haas, who was unarmed. Haas was shot and killed. Officials say he saved lives. He will now be remembered forever as a man who died protecting patients staff and visitors at New Hampshire Hospital. The suspect, identified as John Medor, was transient according to authorities, most recently living out of a hotel. He was shot dead by a state trooper who was stationed at the hospital. The state trooper who engaged the suspect was not hurt. Although I am not able to comment on the specifics of this investigation at this time, I am extremely proud of the trooper's actions that without a doubt prevented additional loss of life. Out in the hospital's parking lot, officials say they discovered a running U-Haul where several items were recovered, including an AR-style rifle, tactical vest, and several magazines of ammunition. Detectives are looking for links between the suspect and that U-Haul. CBS News. So far, police say it's unclear why the suspect targeted the hospital. The investigation is still ongoing. He subscribed to Libs of TikTok at Walsh. Oh, I tried to get you a Mainer, but he ran. Hard to catch sometimes. Cops have been suspended for like. <laughs> For arresting a couple apparently wrongfully at an Applebee's. I to police body camera video showing a couple's wrongful arrest inside a Kenosha restaurant. Now the footage released four months after the. Wait, this is Kenosha, Wisconsin? We just did the neo Nazis. Showing a couple's wrongful arrest inside a Kenosha restaurant. Now the footage released four months after the July incident that made national headlines. Police were in search of suspects in a hit and run crash that ended up taking down and handcuffing 
a man and woman who had nothing to do with it. As a result, two officers were suspended. Mary Brutally! With us now with why one community group believes the punishment should have been tougher. Yeah, Charles, Tanya McLean and her group, Leaders of Kenosha, have been advocating for transparency in this case since the summer. Four months later, we're getting new video of what happened in that Kenosha Applebee's, and those same community advocates say the results are disappointing. It was just, to me, shameful. That was Tanya McLean's reaction to seeing the edited body camera footage released from a July incident at a Kenosha Applebee's. Kenosha officers were looking for hit-and-run suspects in the restaurant when they began interrogating a couple eating dinner. Footage shows a Pleasant Prairie police officer telling Kenosha police the couple likely wasn't involved in the hit-and-run, but officers continued to question them anyways. That's when McLean says the officers began profiling the couple. Do you have a baby? A black man that was afraid. He looked genuinely scared and concerned. Police footage shows officers taking the man at the table to the ground with his child in his hands before the body camera goes to black. But now watch the witness video, which shows in those moments officers punching the man. He's got a baby in his hands! Then pepper spraying the woman in the restaurant. They clearly exhibited very poor judgment, and I doesn't I don't feel that it's judgment that warrants them carrying a weapon and wearing that uniform. While this was agreed, other officers were arresting people in the Applebee's bathroom who were the actual hit and run suspects they were looking for. An internal investigation found that the two officers involved in the couple's arrest violated Kenosha PD policy by being aggressive and not providing medical attention to the woman who was pepper sprayed. They received a four and 10 day suspension respectively. I will tell you this, I expect Every one of our officers to treat every person. I'll tell you this. Come into contact. You're a pig. Courtesy, dignity and respect. McLean says that punishment is not strong enough. I think they should be charged and I think they should be fired. Yep. We feel that it signals back to the black and brown community that you can assault us. You can do negative things to us. Um, you can victimize us and there are no consequences. Or if there are any consequences, they're very minute. The chief said they were not profiling the couple and were called to the restaurant manager. Though the man and woman were not involved in the hit and run, they were ultimately charged with disorderly conduct and resisting an officer. They'll be in front of a judge next year. Charles. Wow. Wow. They are four months later. There are still charges pending. I can't. I hope you have Ben Crump on your side. And I hope that city is ready to pay millions of dollars in a settlement. Disorderly conduct my ass. I only saw one party uh, doing a disorderly conduct and it wasn't that couple. What the cops did to that family is far worse than whatever they fucking accuse them of. Jesus. I don't even really know what the story is over here. This was a train. This was a train crash in Chicago. The yellow line in Chicago uh, crashed, injured dozens of people. At least nobody was killed. 
Concerns over safety aboard CTA trains are looming days after a yellow line train crashed, injuring dozens of people. Federal investigators have since determined that the crash was caused by a design problem, their words, with the braking system. The question now is, what kind of timeline, if any, is at play to fix the flaw that could affect Kind of Elon Musk kind of answers that. The design flaw. Investigating, he's live in the newsroom with new information on what he's uncovered from the CTA. Hey, Andrew. Well, Chris, the one thing both CTA and National Transportation Safety Board officials want to make crystal clear, the trains they say are safe to ride. This is despite identifying an apparent design flaw that prevented this train from stopping. But they still are trying to determine how much of their system might be operating under this problematic design. Now, it was on Thursday when a passenger train traveling 26 miles per hour crashed into snow equipment on the tracks in Rogers Park. A total of 38 people were injured, which included 31 passengers and seven CTA workers. A preliminary investigation by the NTSB showed this yellow line train had a stopping distance of roughly 1,800 feet about 1,000 feet shorter than the newer systems. Now, when CBS2 inquired with the CTA about the plan moving forward to fix this apparent design flaw, a CTA spokesperson would only say that the investigation into Thursday's crash, which is being spearheaded by the NTSB, is still ongoing, not shedding any light on system-wide concerns or providing a time frame for repairs. Experts now weighing in. Really surprising that these tried and true older cars have a design specification flaw uh, that for years we've been operating with uh, perhaps unsafe stopping distances. This you know just shows how um, you know constantly you need to be vigilant about these new risks because uh, this was uh, a lot of injury here. Now, the final analysis of Thursday's crash will take months to complete. As of right now, it remains unclear. Why was there no equipment on the track? Operations. Reporting in the newsroom, I'm Andrew Ramos, CBS2 News. Chris? Okay, Andrew, thanks very much for that update. Wouldn't they know that a train is coming? Like, it has a schedule, doesn't it? I don't know how trains work. Fuck you, Pete Buttigieg. This is your look, look at all the fucking problems we've had since we put that McKinley asshole in the fucking transportation secretary. What the fuck does he know about transportation? You seen all the trains coming off the tracks? This fucking train shit? The, all the problems we've had with planes? Fuck off, Pete Buttigieg. I got beef with Pete. I've got beef with Pete Buttigieg. Let's watch the moment. Speaking of transportation failing, let's watch the moment one of Elon Musk's rockets blow up. I just, I just hate that, you know, we paid for it. Not like it was Elon Musk's money. 
We are T plus 40 seconds into the flight of Starship. 33 Raptor engines powering the first stage. Power and telemetry nominal. We've heard power and telemetry nominal call out. We're heading downrange over the Gulf of Mexico. But do we not get to see the explosion? I thought we could see it. That kid don't care. It ain't a titty. Might have been too dark for us to see it from the other angle. Sounds like it's farting all the way into the air. I mean, I'm no, I'm no aerospace engineer, but that don't, that don't sound good. Feel like it might need a new muffler. That could have just been the. Could have been the microphone that was picking it up. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come. Well, supposedly the oh, there it is. Oh, they're cheering. It imploded. Well, supposedly these are stress tests, right? So they're like trying to push the limit with them. Oh, there's the kids crying. We'll see it again. So I guess the like the booster was coming off. That's what they thought it was at first, but it imploded. I'm sorry that kid had to witness that, but at least like there's nobody on board, so not like anybody died. Remember last week when I told you about we're we're gonna we're gonna stay on uh, planes, trains, and automobiles over here, right? We're going we're going to automobiles now. It is Thanksgiving. Holy shit! That's the quintessential Thanksgiving movie. Going to automobiles now. I told you last week about how Formula One apparently didn't know that it got cold in Nevada in November at night. They were expecting daytime desert winter weather, but nighttime desert winter weather is not quite as forgiving. And apparently this was a whole uh, comedy of errors. F1 Las Vegas Grand Prix moves ahead after opening night debacle. 
Formula One is trying to recover in time for its Las Vegas Grand Prix race after an embarrassing opening night debacle stopped the racer's first practice after just nine minutes. Ferrari said a car driven by Carlos Sanz Jr. was severely damaged after a manhole cover came loose along the temporary street course late on Thursday night. Workers rushed to remove every drain cap along the nearly four-mile-long track, filling them with asphalt and sand. By the time the next practice started, two and a half hours late, attendees had been ordered to leave by the uh, leave the fan viewing areas. The course had to be closed a few hours later by 4 a.m. in order to reopen the streets for morning commuters. Organizers explained the delay is necessary for the safety of drivers. This happened on the streets. Like this happened on the actual strip. Organizers explained the delay is necessary for the safety of drivers, staff, and participants, but didn't apologize to fans. We have all been to events like concerts, games, and even other Formula One races that have been canceled because of factors like weather or technical issues. It happens, and we hope people will understand. This is according to F1 President Stefano Domenicali. Sounds like a like a fucking mob boss. That's a Don. That's a Don's name. A later email offered Thursday only ticket holders a $200 credit. To the official merchandise store. Spectacle reads more like a stroke of bad luck for F1 and its owner, Liberty Media, which bet big on a $500 million contract to bring the Global Motorsports Series to Sin City for an annual event over the next 10 years. The famous Las Vegas Strip makes up part of the racing course, which required about $80 million in roadwork costs, half of which Formula One is requesting from Clark County. Another sport bleeding money from the taxpayers. The CEO of Liberty Media told Yahoo Finance the event is expected to bring in more than $1 billion to the local economy. I don't know. I kind of doubt that number, right? So, like, it's Las Vegas. Are you telling me they don't just have a constant flow? That this doesn't impede their other normal fucking tourism business? I would, I would say that, like, this time in November might be a downtime before we get to the holidays. I can understand maybe they wanted to bring some kind of an event in. That makes sense. But I can't imagine that people staying away because of the race wouldn't also like offset the money they expect to bring into the economy. Because I'm assuming Las Vegas brings in a lot of money every weekend. But locals have taken issue with the months-long disruption and event organization accusing F1 of giving preference to European attendees with late-night on-track start times and expensive ticket prices. With three stops out of 23 total, the U.S. is hosting more F1 events than any other country this year. The sport's new national popularity coincides with the release of Netflix's Drive to Survive documentary series. Is this an ad? Am I reading an ad? Racing resumed in Las Vegas on Friday with Team Ferrari rebounding in a qualifying round and Sands driving in a new car. Driving in a new car. But in a move that angering fans, Sands was penalized for switching to the new car with the sport's governing body saying they had no way to make a provision to the rule book, even though its original car was damaged by the approved course. Sands will be the subject to starting 10 places behind his starting grid spot for the Grand Prix event. So they fucked the dude over. The dude that damaged his car on their faulty course 
That's kind. Of, that's kind of a fucking cool look. With the spear in the background, the sphere in the background. I've heard like it's gonna go bankrupt. Like this venture isn't gonna last all that long. But how do you kick it off with you two? That might have been your problem right there. Probably should have had some sort of festival of some sort. Multiple acts. Well, there's a lot of fucking news going on with this fucking thing. Okay, so first of all... I have not given them advice on love. Um, no one has... I don't, I don't think this is what we want. Heidi Klum struts topless at F1 Las Vegas. Joins Brad Pitt and Justin Bieber at the Grand Prix. Well, she's not exactly topless. She's wearing a top. So, good on her. I... How old is she now? Get it, woman. You live in sexual anarchy. She's, she's, it looks like she's wearing multiple tops, actually. They're just not covering the center part of her chest. So the headline is wrong. Fuck you, Fox News. F1 fans tore down a view-blocking screen during the Las Vegas GP. Is that an actual image? Formula One fans watching the Grand Prix tore down controversial track blocking screens along the public areas of the city's famous strip during the returning race. Oh, so they had actually blocked the view of people that were just on the strip next to the next to the track. Wow, what dicks. The race had already courted some controversy in the weeks leading up to the weekend uh, on this element when view-blocking filters were applied to the areas of pedestrian, pedestrian bridges running over the strip that prevented people without tickets from seeing the track. When attempts were made to remove this by local residents, it was replaced in the relevant areas and had cage-like structures added that also covered the bridge's upper elements to stop anything being thrown down onto the track. Jobs along the strip were also prevented from selling glass items during the specific times around the F1 sessions as part of a bid to prevent anything dangerous from somehow ending up on the trip. Maybe don't have it on the fucking strip. During the Las Vegas races can be seen in the photos above and below some fans, some clad in team wear merchandise, but thought to be without tickets successfully tore through this to gain a view of the track on the strip and beyond. So there you go. Tore it down. The organizing bodies of the Australian and Brazilian Grand Prix this year were summoned to explain incidences of spectators breaching security lines to their respective stewards' panels at those events while fan interactions with track infrastructure have been a point of focus for F1 and the FIA. But Motorsports.com understands that no safety concerns regarding fan behavior were raised in race control during the action-packed event, which was won by Red Bull's Max Verstappen. You know, I almost it's wild. So you know for the for the thumbnail the show today. I put up an F one car. 
under under Moyer and and Rosalind Carter and an Applebee's. But I'd actually downloaded a completely different car to use as that car on my thumbnail. And it was the Red Bull car. But it said it was 2021's design. And I wanted to make sure I was current. So I picked the next one that I saw that was 2023. That's how I got the car that was on the thumbnail. A lot of design choices go into this. It doesn't really. I just like pick things that I think would uh, look funny on the thumbnail. Apparently some Formula One fans are suing after being forced to leave the grandstands in Las Vegas. Many Formula One fans of Las Vegas Grand Prix weekend delivered an exciting crescendo Saturday night after the high-speed race through the city. Conducted, conducted, concluded with a dramatic finish. Sparks flew toward the end of the marquee competition, the first F1 race in the resort town in more than four decades. But other fans left the much-heralded weekend events as parties to a class-action lawsuit against the racing organization after attendees were booted from viewing areas on Thursday during an hours-long delay caused by technical issues from the course. It was snake bit. It wasn't meant to be a success. The first one of a 10-year deal. Oh, God damn it. Seriously? Yeah, I was like, how is that even possible? Can't be. Here's a dog watching some meat. I'm so hungry. I hope they gave him some, but it could be too spicy for him. <laughs> I, that's what I look like when I smell that smell, too. I've seen sparkles look like that many times when we went to dinner. Just disheveled and drooling before we actually get our food. But many of you gonna look like on Thanksgiving, isn't it? You watch your family cook dinner. Is it is it done yet? Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. Justin Freegan. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.